Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Get a creamy Oreo frappe or McCafe smoothie for less with 20% off any purchase of $10 or more. Only on the app. Limited time only at participating McDonald's. Valid one time per day. Visit McDonald's app for details. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I don't know how to start podcasts in the new studio. I feel like we need to have a new way to start except just horribly singing our intro song, which I've been meaning to change for a year. <laughs> How should we? Benton is not here. Just everyone uh, off the bat. Um, we're both wearing Benton's clothes. <laughs> but Benton is not we here. We missed him. Benton he has COVID. Um, so Benton's not here. We are trudging forward. Uh, anyway, in a studio that's not complete yet, if you're watching this, we look like we're in PP's Playhouse. <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening to this, we're in the old one. Yeah, we are redoing the podcast studio. It's going to look so cool. Um, and I have, it, it, as you can see behind me, uh, there's all these like nooks and shelves and stuff mm-hmm. for my beverages only. So this will be... <laughs> I originally intended them for uh, gifts that fans of the podcast sent and made for us, but I'm probably, let's be honest, just going to fill them with a bunch of empty cans and lotions and lubes. And oils. (laughs) And a a variety of different uh, oils. So... Uh, I do want to oh introduce our guest because New Year, New Me. Um, 2020. 2020. 2020, bitch. <laughs> I did post on Instagram, fucking near, New Year, New Me, 2020, you're going to be my Let's bitch. Let's get it, bitch. <laughs> 2020. But it wasn't a joke. It was 2022. <laughs> I got it. We're now going to introduce the guests because I'm not going to force you to Google them and mess up your algorithm. Because it's then, not like you're already on a device. Yeah, well, because yeah, if you... <laughs> If you do Google our guests, you're going to end up getting recommended some really fucked up videos <laughs> in your <laughs> Discover page. So um, Sam Morrell, brilliant comedian. His spe- he has a, had a special called Positive Influence. The other one, I just want to make sure I get where they all are on, mm-hmm. right? Um, because everyone's getting deplatformed these days. So I just want to make sure he's still on Everyone's YouTube. Everyone's shadow banned. Yeah. Uh, his special, I Got This, is on YouTube still. And then he did a documentary about comedy of the pandemic that was on YouTube as well. Mm-hmm. For now. <laughs> for now I don't even know if we're on YouTube anymore I made a QAnon joke off camera so who knows if they'll uh, let us uh, keep going but we ha- we're doing an emergency real quick conversation about Elizabeth Holmes because she has been convicted on four counts out of yep. the 11. Right. Not even that many, by the way. That's a different conversation for another mm-hmm. day. But I'm obsessed with Elizabeth Holmes. You know I love con artists. That's why I work with Emily. Uh, I am the Elizabeth Holmes of comedy. We all know this. <laughs> you think I worked for Lauren Michaels. I worked for Michaels. The craft, <laughs> the craft store. By the way, you'd be better qualified for this job because you'd be helping with these fucking shelves. <laughs> Honestly, I need... See? <laughs> the microphone that? is falling apart in my hands. I would. Ra- I need someone that worked at Michael. That knows how to work a hot glue gun. <laughs> <laughs> to glue my fucking eyelashes back on my head. Can, is, can someone that worked at Michael's who's great with plaster of Paris come fix my under eye bags? <laughs> Finally, this worked out in my favor. 
<laughs> okay, so I just want to talk about Elizabeth Holmes uh, because I just have so many thoughts and I can't put it into Twitter tweets because people just get too crazy and they're like, how dare you criticize a woman? Or if you do make a joke, they're like, this isn't anything to joke about. It's blood. <laughs> like, blood is the funniest shit ever. And again... 2022 mantra of the show is still blood is not lube it's just so rare that everyone's obsessed with the same person I'm obsessed with mm -hmm. like I'm always obsessed with really esoteric people that no one wants to talk about right 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 like Isadora Duncan yep and like Naomi Wolf yeah 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 and like Steve Wynn's scooch guy yep and so I'm so excited that someone that I am been thinking about nonstop for the past five years is actually in the zeitgeist. That's so funny. My okay, so she scammed. Okay, the whole thing with Walgreens. I just it is so funny to me that everyone is so mad that the Theranos <laughs> devices were in Walgreens because of all the products in Walgreens where we need to sue the people that made them. To me, the Theranos <laughs> device doesn't break like the top two hundred. Okay, this is the Theranos device was like the least dangerous product at Walgreens. Like if you if you want to I've been drawing blood in Walgreens for years. <laughs> okay, if you want to draw blood in Walgreens, buy a Walgreens razor, dude. <laughs> it it's, Theranos literally is it the whole thing is crazy to me. It's like it happened because you're afraid of needles. Right. In Walgreens? Right. Have you ever brought a Walgreens hairbrush? It's just made of needles. <laughs> They don't even have the little plastic, like, nubs on the end. Like, I've drawn more blood <laughs> on Walgreens, like, the saran wrap, like, mini shark teeth <laughs> than anyone did on this blood machine, dude, okay? <laughs> like, the fact that we're mad at a 19-year-old's easy-bake oven <laughs> when Walgreens sells pop-off vodka with a, a plastic jug with a handle right next to the pharmacy, <laughs> dude. <laughs> that pop up vodka that should be in the fucking car maintenance aisle. <laughs> like, Walgreens, dude, like a year ago, I got Keebler Elves. Remember Magic Middles? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Magic. I bought them at Walgreens, ate the entire bag. <laughs> that shit's been off the market for like 20 years. <laughs> I looked it up, dude. I was like, wait a second. I thought these were discontinued. They were. Like, Walgreens, dude, Walgreens Christmas popcorn. <laughs> okay? You're fine with the Walgreens tub of Christmas popcorn, but, like, the fake needle that doesn't do anything, that's what you're upset about? I mean, is okay, these needles were going to go to Afghanistan, the needle machine. As long as the Christmas popcorn doesn't go to our troops, we're going to be fine. Those things are like a wet market in a fun tin. I'm not Walgreens night, dude. Walgreens sleep stuff. Walgreens Nyquil, like the Walgreens brand Nyquil. That's why Elizabeth Holmes couldn't remember anything at the trial. <laughs> she took one of those eight years ago <laughs> to try to get some sleep before a conference. <laughs> I'm also, by the way, they said they got inaccurate results. Like the people that use the Theranos devices said they got inaccurate results. Dude, this test at Walgreens, <laughs> this is. This is the test that gets the most accurate results <laughs> of all the tests in Walgreens, okay? I took a Walgreens pregnancy test, and I got, like, a couple abortions I didn't even need, okay? <laughs> I drew a lot of blood <laughs> for no reason. <laughs> okay, I would, I would still take the Theranos blood test over a Walgreens pregnancy test oh any God. fucking day. Like, even if the Edison machine worked... And I got the correct diagnosis. Let's say it did work. Right. We're in Walgreens. I got my diagnosis. I have an issue. I need medical care. I need a break. You still 
Walgreens would never have the prescription ready <laughs> to be able to treat your problem that was just diagnosed. Like, you would die waiting in line for the prescription. <laughs> like, stop pretending Walgreens wants any of us to survive. I want the bad blood machines back because it'll give me something to do other than the blood pressure cuff machine <laughs> while I wait for my fucking prescription for six hours. Which the reason your blood pressure is so high is because I'm waiting. Because they don't take your fucking insurance. Right, right. <laughs> Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Get a creamy Oreo frappe or McCafe smoothie for less with 20% off any purchase of $10 or more. Only on the app. Limited time only at participating McDonald's. Valid one time per day. Visit McDonald's app for details. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. They said they would take right. two five-hour wait call holds ago. Yeah. It's just so funny to me, all the people that want this machine, now that they know that it gives inaccurate results. Like, you know who really wants a Theranos machine? Tristan Thompson. <laughs> He's like, how do I get one of those? Where do I get those inaccurate blood test results? <laughs> For the paternity tests over here in Calabasas. By the way, it's called the Edison. That, the, he, she named her little blood machine the Edison. The Easy Bake Oven. You're not allowed <laughs> to just use the credibility of someone else for your thing to trick people into thinking it's good. Like, I can't just go make a TV show and just, like, call it Seinfeld. Like, I made the show called Seinfeld. Like, oh, it must be good. Like, you can't steal someone's name that didn't know what the fuck they were doing. Right? And, oh, well, this is so funny to me because a couple people... They claimed that they got inaccurate results. You know what I mean? Which is like, it's a tough one because she wasn't using her machines. She was sending it out That's to true. another lab. Right. So that other lab was technically giving inaccurate results. I know what this feels like. As someone that has like bought a lot of food at the grocery store and pretend I cooked it. And then if someone like calls you a bad cook, you're like, mm, yeah, actually. So that was really hard for her probably to keep her mouth shut. She's like, actually, this is fucking Quest's yeah. problem. Yeah. yeah, that's really funny. It's just so funny. I mean, I just feel like, yes, obviously it's like a scam, but I, the machine was probably more accurate than most human doctors because like I've been, I mean, I don't know if it's just like a girl thing, but like when you are a woman with any kind of pain in your body, mm -hmm. they're just like, it's IBS or it's your period. Right. And I'm like, no, I think it's like, I might right. have like a thing. And they're like, mm, it's just IBS, it's your period. Right. I'm like, I think I would know right. if I was <laughs> shitting myself and then bleeding on my explosive diarrhea. Like, I feel like I notice. Like, I... I don't need you for that. I would have noticed that, yeah. man. I'm here because I'm not shitting or bleeding. <laughs> I need some help. Stat. <laughs> I haven't shit or bled in 15 years, dude. I need your help. <laughs> oh, fuck. I don't know. I guess I just, like, it's so funny to me that this woman, like, she thought she was, like, here's what was cool about it. What was cool about it, she's like, we're going to democratize healthcare. Like, mm -hmm. if you don't if you don't have enough money to go to a doctor and get your blood taken, like, you can do this for free. But then what? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> also, it, it, back to the bad results thing, like, would she trick you into thinking you had high cholesterol so you ate healthier? Like, oh, man, that bitch. <laughs> I know, exactly. Like, yeah, no, I don't want to think I, like... <laughs> have AIDS but like I don't mind if you tell me I have high cholesterol and I don't it could prevent you from having the thing you got false diagnosed for having correct 
She's getting ahead of it. <laughs> she gaslit you into thinking you have it, so yeah. now you fix it. Also, who's to say that the results were false? Like, what if you got better by the time a real doctor, like, if you had, like, a vitamin D deficiency and you started taking vitamin D, and then by the time you got to a real doctor, they're like, you don't have vitamin D deficiency. Theranos was wrong. It's like, no, I just... <laughs> Sounds like she needs a thank you. <laughs> I guess it's just so wild to me that her logic was, I'm going to help all these people with no money get a diagnosis. It's like, well, then they don't have health. I have cancer. Great. Now I just don't have any money and I have cancer. And, and I- now Walgreens has your information so you'll never get insurance. Health insurance. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> she really So they're gonna, she's going to tell the insurance company she's selling your information. So now everyone knows you have cancer and no one will give you insurance. It's just like so funny to me that her entire business at, was based on the idea that people are afraid of needles, mm-hmm. which when you first hear it, you're like, yeah, I, I was afraid of needles when I was like five. Right. Like, I don't, it's just it's we live in a country that is fraught with a heroin <laughs> epidemic. Like no one's afraid of needles in America. OK, people in L.A. get like seven booster shots a day <laughs> between acupuncture appointments. <laughs> No one's afraid of needles. She's like, you know what the military really needs? They need to stop having to go, ouch. Like, Navy SEALs aren't afraid of needles. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm pretty sure the Navy SEALs storming the caves of Al-Qaeda. Yeah. We're you know not afraid saying? of a prick. We're not afraid right. of a little needle. Like, like he's like, she's like, oh, these pussies over in Afghanistan. <laughs> No, I'm going to help change their lives. (laughs) Also, why do we need the machine on the battlefield? That was like one of her big selling points. Like, we can get real-time test results on the machine. Like, ma'am, the soldier's arm has been blown off. We don't need him to know he has high cholesterol right now. But, oh, wait, can you give me his arm? (laughs) Just give me the arm. And I just need one drop (laughs) from the severed arm. They're like, like, all you need is, is a prick of blood from the finger. Oh, can you just give me his finger real quick, and I'll put it in the machine? Like, these are people at war. They don't give a fuck if they're iron deficient, dude. They're not iron deficient. They're full of bullets. They're f- like, like no one needs this care. Do you know what I'm saying? It's just like it is so funny to me. Read the, the room. The idea. All you're doing is giving the soldiers more shit to carry. They're 100%. like now we have to carry around this HP desk jet. <laughs> Like, what the fuck? In our backpacks. Like, like, can we get some water, please? Could you make it camo colored? <laughs> it's also like you're in Afghanistan. You have it. You have all of it. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, you don't need a test to tell you. You've got it. Scurvy, leprosy, you're, you've Lyme been, disease. You've Lyme disease. You've been in Afghanistan yeah. for 10 years. Herpes, like you've got melanoma, stress, you have cancer, you have mercury poisoning. Like, I just, I'll, like. We don't even need the drop of blood. <laughs> Like it's also like so many people got got pissed because they went to Walgreens for their HIV test and they first of all if you're going to Walgreens for HIV test like you've got it. <laughs> like I like don't like you've got it. Like there's no way around it. And like they're like, "Well, the the results end up being false. You thought they were true." <laughs> Which means there's a chance. You're still you're gonna get it soon. If you don't have it now, you will have it soon. If if you oh got God. your HIV results <laughs> from, from a fucking lunchbox 
<laughs> in next to the, the blood pressure cuff. Next to the blood pressure cuff <laughs> from 1941, You're which by positive. the way is is literally just bombarding you with radiation. <laughs> <laughs> if you go and it says you have HIV and you're like, that tracks. <laughs> like, if I got an HIV result, I'd be like, that's not, can't be true. <laughs> if you were like, yeah, that tracks. Coachella was pretty wild this year. Like, you, you've got it. This, I feel like, <laughs> I feel like that's on you. She get you that's know what? On you. If she yeah. gave you a false, like, fatal result, uh huh. Congratulations, you just got. She gave you a brush with death. That's a gift. She gave you a brush with death. She, you, all these people, excuse me, I like can't hit my hair even <laughs> if I, like my hair is so fucking dead at this point that it's just like a giant Brillo pad. And uh, if you, all these people that are like, she told me I had HIV. I'm like, you, yeah, you seem healthier than anyone here. You had a brush with death. You're grateful. Second chances. You got it. Yeah, you mm -hmm. got it. I would pay good money for someone to convince yeah. me I was going to die. like you were dying. And then you like cut out all the toxic people in your life. Yeah. You get your priorities straight. Bungee jump. And then you die the, a cool way. <laughs> Not because of a Walgreens test. Suicide. <laughs> you go out like a fucking rock star. 2020, I'm going to fuck you up. <laughs> okay. Uh, any more you need to get off your chest about Liz Holmes here? Because she's about to go to prison. Dude, I'm just saying, as someone that pays taxes... Mm -hmm. I I would like I believe mm -hmm. a way to raise some money for I don't know the dead or the dead. Look, I'm never gonna be able to run for president because we mm -hmm. all know there's a photo out there of me with Geisha makeup on mm -hmm. when I was 20 at a Halloween party. So mm -hmm. look, that ship has sailed. Um, if her and Giz Ghislaine, Ghislaine like shared a cell, <gasps> started a podcast. Oh, <laughs> I will host it. The money, dollar download, the money from the podcast goes to whatever, back to the, Back I don't to know. Quest Diagnostics. Back to Quest Diagnostics, who now, their shit's about to fucking get, I'm sure their stock is in the toilet, because it's like, no, they were the ones that gave the fake results, we used them. So true. And now they're fucked. <laughs> By the way, do any blood, has, do any of this, we've always been using Quest, right? Yeah, I think so. I think there's only two companies. So and now she, we know that no blood tests no have blood ever been accurate. accurate. So the bar is low for any other 19-year-olds that want to drop out of college. That is so, we all have AIDS. Mm, the end. <laughs> On that. That is so funny. Okay, I could talk about this forever. When Benton comes back and when our studio is up and cracking, I'm mm -hmm. sure there will be more to say about this. I'm obsessed with this case because I'm just obsessed with what happens like c with a 19-year-old girl. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like It is so funny that people, all these scientists that were like, we can't figure out how to take blood from the... <laughs> this 19-year-old girl, she said she doesn't need college and that she knows how to do it. And everyone's like, <laughs> well, where is she? When you're 19, you lie. That's the yeah. whole thing. You lie to to, te to see how far you can go. Mm -hmm. And then the smart people are supposed to go, no, that's it. Right, and then right, you go, right. oh, okay, that, right. that's how life works. You have to right, tell the right, truth. Right, right. And then some people will figure out how to tell the truth. Other people now, there's that's why people are going to the metaverse. Because mm -hmm. this, this verse sucks. Yeah. But like when I was 19, everything I said was a lie. Right. I told everyone I was a leap year kid. I just thought it made me more interesting. Like, every time I was with a guy when I was 19, I was like, I've never done this before. Like, you just, you're 19. You're trying to you're see what you get away boundaries. with. Yeah. I blame everyone else. She's like, I didn't think I was going to get yeah. this far either. What yeah, the fuck yeah, is yeah, wrong yeah. with you guys? That exactly. You, that Joe, you, yeah. I thought she was going to win because her defense was basically like, 
I didn't know what I was doing. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Why did you listen why did, to me? Why did all these like brilliant businessmen give right. me all this money? Like, why didn't right. you like look into this? Right, right. <laughs> why right. did you let me lie right. for this long? <laughs> right. Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> like, you guys just started giving me money. What was I going to stop? Right. And be like, you know what, guys? I'm sorry. Right. I'm going to give this all back. Yes. So funny to me. Who's on the podcast? Sam Morrell. Sam Morrell. Okay, this interview is awesome we did it before the holiday because uh we had to redo the podcast studio mm -hmm. it's so fucking funny he's hilarious i'm so such funny. a big fan um i know that he's touring right now i am also on tour everything is up i am coming to las vegas on the 15th Woo! and guess who is uh featuring for me in las vegas oh a one trailer trash tammy Chelsea, in vegas yeah chelsea lynn is gonna open in vegas at the encore at the win on january 15th and then we're gonna be in nashville oh, at the polk right mm -hmm. and we're gonna have a special guest in nashville that's at the end of the month and then we go to carolinas yeah and then touring till april i'm shooting my special i will announce the venue soon but that's gonna be i think at the end of april or early may okay. um boring 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 logistics um Thank you guys for asking me when the podcast comes out all the time. I'm so glad that you care, but I hate saying this sentence, but if you subscribe, <laughs> it'll just land in your lap. Like you don't have to do anything. Subscribe and then hit the bell and then all the work is done. I'm not gonna tell you what to do. We just need one, like Elizabeth Holmes needs one drop of blood. We just need one <laughs> click of the bell, okay? And then everything else is done. Everything, everything else is BS, so. I'm just kind of annoyed that now my autobiography can't be called One Drop of Blood. <laughs>
Also, yeah. So I, I the people the people that ask, is it hard to be a woman in comedy? Haven't seen your place here. This is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's hard to be a woman. I get lost in my house. It's so that dangerous. Should be, that should be your answer. Seriously, it's so dangerous to live alone. Oh my god! I'm going to start out with this, which I yeah. always start the podcast with asking if the, the guest if we're friends. I mean, no, I would say, right? I mean, <laughs> no, not at all. We've met. I think we've met once. We've met once at Flappers Burbank. I think, I, was a, I think it was a comedy store. But I just like to establish this so that you don't feel like you need to pretend for the next couple hours. No, I mean, you're. why, why are we pretending? Because sometimes you go on a podcast and it's like, oh, this is my good buddy, Whitney Cummings. I'm like, I've met you one time. And now I... I don't like being brought up on stage as someone's friend. Yeah. What does that have to do with anything? Friend, who's funnier than you? To but, be clear. What is, but, what is that, <laughs> but what does that have to do with anything? When someone's like, this guy's a really good friend of mine. The crowd's, I love when a comic's bombing and he's like, this guy's a really good friend. I'm like, don't fucking say that. <laughs> I don't want to be a part he of this. He helps me write my jokes. <laughs> yeah, and also like, we all know, comedians have no friends ever. Let's no, be honest. <laughs> none. No real friends. No. No. Everything's a podcast now. Everything's a podcast. Your friends like, we should hang out. And then they're like, they're like you see a little like uh, mic and you're like, all right, sure. Here's what I'll say. When I'm hanging out in the comedy store uh, hallway now, and if I'm talking to like Theo or Spade or, you know, whoever, because everyone's got podcasts or Joey Diaz, we'll sort of be talking to me like, should we do this tomorrow too? <laughs> should we just hold this? Because this, we're having a really funny conversation for just us. Isn't like, that weird? It's like, so, such a waste. People used to say something funny and it would just kind of like, Going to the air somewhere, and now sad. everyone's like, it's got. I mean, it's with stand up too. I, if I have like a good crowd riff, I want to just put it out there to promote a date or instead. Used to you be, I mean, think about how many great crowd moments are just gone, just in people's hippocampus and nowhere else. Yeah, it's in like a hundred people's hippocampus and like not in an <laughs> algorithm. But no. yeah, I think it is. It's tricky though because I, I I I'm torn about filming my sets on the road all the time because when I know a camera's rolling. I'm usually not as like free and fun mm. because I'm like, what if I say off the reservation or what if I say powwow or what if I You'll say get used to tranny it. or you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, but it's your camera. You don't have to. You're not going to like out yourself for saying I mean, something. But everyone's got their phone. I don't know. I think it just it makes me a little more self conscious or something. I do it now because like a lot of times a comedian will like they'll get in trouble for saying a joke. And then and I'm like, well, the crowd is laughing, though. Yeah. So I want to say, like, well, if I'm in trouble, I want them on camera laughing, too. I think so. So no if I'm going down, they're going down with me is, yeah. my, is my mindset for it. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Like, I mean, I've talked about this before about comedians being in trouble for jokes. Like, I don't really think it's happening the way we think, the way that comedians think it's happening. Like, sure. we're sensitive by nature. Like, I always say, like, we can, comedians complain about sugar cookies. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> complain about Hot yeah. Pockets. Like, there's nothing we won't blow out of proportion. That's what we do, right? Gaffigan famously loved Hot Pockets in the well, Bethel, no, I, I thought Yes, but I thought he was complaining about them when they're frozen in the middle. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Was part of it. Maybe. I eat frozen in the middle. Delicious. Would really? Ne would never complain about I that. I get a Starbucks egg <laughs> sandwich and I, I sometimes you'll get it like frozen in the middle. I'm just like, ugh. I would You like that? I wouldn't if it was if it's a hot. I grew up on hot pockets that were lean pockets that yeah. were frozen on the inside. We could never because if you microwave them, you can never get it hot on the inside. Or if you toasted them, it they, would burn. They never were even. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. They hadn't um, perfected the product. Yeah. It was too thick <laughs> to be frozen and then heated up without some kind of dissonance between the exterior and the interior. Like you would burn your mouth, but then you'd be able to ice it right away. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, so maybe they did. 
<laughs> See, that's a great sales. That's a great sales technique if that's what it was meant for. This will burn your mouth, but instantly be iced. Yeah, all in the one. The original bite. icy hot. Yeah, Mineral ice. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> it's like you know peanut butter and jelly in one jar. I hated uh, that. Though. Hated it. But Brian Regan, his bit on it is yeah. so good that it was worth it. Any food bit, you know that Brian Regan or Gaffigan already did it. Yeah, that's right. Any yes, yes, totally. I mean, remember Gary Goldman used to have this. So funny. I was going to go to him next. Yeah, of like, course. Or that's Gary what, Goldman. That's was, what sugar cookies was. He used to have a forty-five minute bit on sugar cookies. God damn. Yeah, he would beat something to death in like the best possible in way. Every- Unlike the grapefruit, you can't do a grapefruit bit because yeah. Gary Goldman did the grapefruit. Well, bit. yes, and did. Have you ever tried to eat an orange within two days of brushing your teeth? Who's I think that, that was Gary Goldman. Like damn. he did for like forty minutes on. Eating an orange or drinking orange juice after brushing your teeth. He's a great writer. And it, dude, I, he rec- he recommended me at the Comedy Cellar. He changed my life. Wow! Before the pandemic, he was on the show and um, made me realize I ne- needed to go on Prozac. Forever grateful. Really? And yeah, yeah, because I because uh, depression- five minutes in, we're in the Prozac. Yeah, this is, right. you, got, you don't it's waste only, any time. <laughs> it's the only reason we can have a cogent <laughs> conversation five really? minutes in. No, I, I for me, I'll tell you about that in one second because I just want to say this one Gary Goldman thing. Sure. When I went and saw him perform at Largo, like it's very rare I'll go see a comedian like run their hour because either I'm doing stand up, like I took the night it's homework. Yes, it feels it, like homework. Or it's like, dude, I'll see it. Right. I'll see it next week. I'll see like I see comics everywhere. Like I mean, when comics. But are don't in- you feel like usually when you watch a special, it's because it's like a friend of yours and you have to. Yeah. And it's and it's that's not a fun way to. I'm sit. trying to figure out why they got canceled. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Should, let me just see it so I can defend you. Yes. Like, or but usually like Bill Burr, like you know Sebastian, like you know we're lucky enough to be able to see those get worked out. So. Well, you are. They're on the West Coast, so I usually don't get to see those guys as much. I mean, if I there was a summer where Bill Burr was in New York filming. Uh, the Judd Apatow movie yeah. with Pete Davidson. So I, I get to see him all the time. And it was like, oh, this is so fun to watch, Crazy. you know? But And so, but Goldman, like, I don't get to see work out. And he's so, like, reliant on silence. Sure. And he's so surgical and can talk about something. He's not meant to be in a club. Like, he, he should be in theaters. From like, the beginning. He, that guy should not be doing those jokes in, like, Reno. Yeah, you it's know? not like, and jalapenos. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, it's not. But he did a, because it's also, he, the audience, it re, he requires from the audience a training that they, that there's a couple beats after he says what he's saying that they need to process it. Sure. Because sometimes it takes a minute. So like he was ta- and he'll just walk you through it so that you're kind of coming up with the punchline on your own. And then he does his, which is way better. So you get like two laughs for the price of one. So yeah. he's talking about um, mangoes. And I'm like, of course he's talking about mangoes. <laughs> like the one fruit he hasn't got to. And he was like, mangoes. And he goes, oh, fuck. And he's talking about cutting mangoes. He's like, mangoes, like, they just have such a low yield. <laughs> like a low yield of fruit. Like everyone's cut into a mango and been like, what the fuck, man? His word choice is also perfect. You're right. It's like that's it. Uh, you know, he had a bit about uh, ice cream and how whenever you're eating it, you can never get it even, so you just keep going. I was like, that's the most relatable thing when eating ice cream. I can't not think about that when I when I eat ice cream now. And it's such a perfect um, sort of I don't know. It's just his, his mind is so br- to even occur to him to be annoyed about it. You know what I mean? Whereas I'm eating ice cream and I'm like, fucking racism and inequality. What are we going to do about the environment? Like, it wouldn't. You're it, thinking that when you're eating ice I'm cream? I'm saying, you know how, right. like, well, you have like a list of things that you're annoyed about in life. <laughs> not when I'm eating ice cream. That's my, <laughs> that's my quiet. I'm not thinking of like protests. Well, when no. I'm, well, I mean, because look, I, I think 
when you're so fraught, like, I mean, I'm a woman that I've had eating disorders, so I'm eating ice cream and being like, well, when am I going to exercise? How yeah. many calories does this have? Like, I'm worried about so many other things. Does it have dairy? I'm intolerant. I'm not supposed to eat this. Does it have gluten? Like, I'm. am I going to have a migraine because it's too much sugar? Like, I have so many other things that are going on, but the fact that he's just if like- you should be thinking about lactose intolerance, not racial intolerance <laughs> when you're eating ice cream, I think. That's- <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Like, am I eating this because my white privilege doesn't ruin the type of ice cream? Whatever. It's like, so it just, he makes me realize my inner monologue when doing mundane things because and how not the best. not present I am when yeah. I do things because he's just like I'm gonna spend some time thinking about you know this I think bar. his mind is never at peace I think that's like a lot of great writers and you're like oh yeah. my god you couldn't you couldn't take a break during ice cream you know so I mean Nick Griffin another great joke writer in New York did a million Letterman sets a ton of late nights he used to have a joke about ice cream <laughs> I know we're in ice cream jokes but I uh, he had a joke when you're a kid you're always at a party eating ice cream when you're an adult you're alone in the dark <laughs> you know in your car it's so it's so dead on though I have an ice cream truck joke in my new hour yeah um, it's about how like People uh, now are so worried about, you know, kids and getting on the internet and getting misinformation on the internet. And it's, I don't want to be a hack and say it, but it's like, um, like that's all we got was misinformation before the internet. Uh, my mom used to tell me that when the ice cream truck played music, that meant it was out of ice cream. Oh, wow. Like the lies our parents oh, told no. us to like control us. <laughs> wow. But so let me ask you because, okay, so watch the documentary. Oh, I cool. love that you did like... I love the positive coping mechanisms of like the true artists I feel like during the pandemic made something, did something. Like you just basically started shooting a documentary about reopening New York and doing stand up. Yeah, we were shut down for, you know, so long. You guys know how it is out here. It was it was weird. You yeah. have you have you get into a routine of going to the clubs, you yeah. know, with you it's the comedy store with us in the East Coast. It was the comedy yeah. cellar and we we were used to going there every night and and it becomes a lifestyle and there's it's part of your routine. It's mm-hmm. not just a life. I mean, David Tell had a line in the doc where he said, I, I would just walk down here and sit on the steps like a homing pigeon. And you're like, <laughs> that's just so, to me, I was like, oh, fuck. That's, mm-hmm. I, since I was in high school, I'd walk by the cellar and just see a tell with a cigarette on the stairs. Like, that's, he's been there for like 30 years. So Wild. it's your, it's part of how you are. So, uh, yeah, it's also I mean, something that's interesting to me because there's so much in the documentary that I don't want you to repeat just in terms of what happened and sure. how everyone was kind of, you know, you know, trying to rehome really and 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 find their true north during a time we all felt very uh, hopeless, but also just um, aimless. I was like, I don't know what to do with myself. Like, I, you know, not saying that. Making- and you're someone who seems like you need to be busy. Like you need to. Like you seem like you need. To, you told me before the pod. You like mm-hmm. you don't take vacations. You're mm-hmm. you're a hard worker, right? Vacations aren't relaxing to me. Sure. Because they're expensive, and I'm just doing math the whole time on what everything costs. It's like a fruit plate is twenty two dollars. Like I can't get over it. So it's like for a lot of people, I like planning vacations. When I'm, it's fun for me to look forward to something and to do the math and to find the best deals. But once I'm actually there, I'm like, I'd kind of rather just be with my dogs and in my own bed. And because we travel already, a vacation is like Travel's just getting brutal. on another plane. Yeah. It's getting on another. So I feel getting on another tube of farts. So it's like, so for me, I yeah. just like my main takeaway with you and watching the documentary and stuff is that we do tend to over pathologize our superpowers sometimes. Like it's not crazy that you want to do stand up every night. It's not sick. It's not like, you know, just it's like, Oh, Sam's going to go do five spots. Like, 
like that's not crazy. That doesn't have to be. It's a positive addiction. I believe very strongly sure. in positive addictions. You're not hurting anybody. You're just making yourself better. And like honestly, you know, Louis C.K. I want to say like four, 14 years ago outside the improv and I was just a baby comic and I was you know in LA you can do seven or eight spots a night you just have to drive like I'd yeah. have to drive I'd do the comedy store then I'd go to Hermosa Comedy I'd Magic. have to learn to drive I'd, I'd have, have to, to then go to well we needed to talk about that too because <laughs> Sam can't drive and I have some thoughts Uh-oh. but then you go to Pasadena then you come back you do the Laugh Factory then you go back and the comedy store has three rooms so you can do the hat trick we call it and do all three sure. spots you know, seller's so you, exact same three rooms so. I mean, right when you go around the corner now amazing and so so everyone's always like, wouldn't you so ambitious? The word ambitious on a woman is like... Shrill. Shrill. It means you're not talented and all you do is work hard. And it's supposed to be an insult. And I was always like, "Good, thank you. Like, you know, I think I didn't realize so much of when people were trying to hurt me in the beginning, they were accidentally making me stronger and encouraging me, which must be such a bummer for all the com- the male comedians, or females too, that were assholes. Like, Do you I, remember all of it? Do you hold on to all of it? I don't hold on to it, and honestly, I'm grateful for it. I got a pretty rough hazing, and I get a pretty crazy amount of negativity from comedians, men and women, that just hate me. And, and it, it took me a long time to come to terms with it because as someone that didn't have a like family I very much felt the first time I walked into a comedy club like oh this is what family feels like you know this is it like yeah. I feel at home I feel like I can be myself I feel like I can make dead baby jokes I feel, and people <laughs> la- you know what I mean I feel like I can say crazy shit or say nothing at all or talk about are, I mean, because comedians are some of the smartest people on the planet and the most curious. Which and is also like, some of the dumbest people on the planet. And some of the dumbest. <laughs> so on one hand, yeah. you know, it's like, like you know, Rogan is in the hallway talking about neuroscience and how crows hold grudges for four years. And yeah. then uh, and then someone's dick's out. It's like the best sure. high-low. You know what I mean? So no no one's more fun to hang out yeah. with. And then the, the person he's holding his dick out to is going to hold a grudge for four years. <laughs> just like a crow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, he's gonna tweet about it in four years, and so, um, so, so I think that's more why it hurt because I think when I first uh, went in, I was like, oh my god, this is the first time I've ever felt like I, I think this is what a family is like. But then again, families turn on each other, and families sure. get weird and negative and toxic and well, whatever. We, we misuse the word family all the time. Like, think about when you're on like an airline. They're like, thanks for being a part of the Delta family, and you're like, <laughs> we're not. I can't. By the way. I can't, if I have a weird thing with my family, I don't say anything. I'll, I'll fucking my say it family, to an airline. My family will help me with my luggage and give it back. <laughs> exactly. But it's it's all bullshit. I mean, it, yeah. people just use the word, it's like bro or like, yeah. I mean, bro, hey, what's up, brother? It's yeah. like someone you've met twice. I guess it's a, it was just the first time, like, I, you know, I was just very solitary as a kid. I didn't like have a lot of friends because I worked during high school. Uh, um, to pay for school and stuff like that. So whatever it was, I just felt like this, this, this very, this hallway that like people want to write articles about for how toxic it is was yeah. like a warm cocoon for me. Sure, you know whatever that means. It just perfectly um, uh, n- n- gave me the exact cocktail of adrenaline and dopamine and oxytocin that was like, oh, this is it, you know, for me. And getting to work at night, it was such a relief to not have to like socialize because I at the time I had such bad social anxiety, I couldn't. Like go to parties and dinners. It was so nice to be able to go. Like parties feel like more work than work. That's what I'm saying. Don't so they? like for us, like dinner parties, um, Awful. small talk, 
you know, I can't, I can't, that feels hard for me. Vacations, that feels like work. A lot of comics that you meet, they just don't suffer fools. Like, they don't suffer that small talk. I mean, and, and. It's the best. And, and you go cut, right. And you cut through the bullshit. So, I mean, like, you know, it's people you don't know well, but then you, you know them so well. So, a lot of comedians are open wounds. And, yeah. And there's a truth to that, I guess. Yeah. There's an honesty to just being like. Here's why I'm fucked up. You, I mean, you can't be on stage talking about something so deeply personal and then get off and be like, weather's weird. Yeah, you know? yeah, no, I mean, compl- it's like, yeah, it's like the morning after a weird one night stand. You're like, so, anyway. <laughs> You've already seen everything. Yeah, exactly, totally. Yeah. And then um, there's, I don't know, there was just an absence of shame that I had never experienced as someone that grew up, you know, with a very shame and guilt-driven thing. And there was, you know, I grew up around- Do like, you feel less shame now? Um... Yes, uh, is is the main answer. But also, yeah. I grew up around a lot of borderline personality disorder, where you walk on eggshells, and I have a hard time with really sensitive people. When you just like hurt someone's feelings by accident, and your like, your intention and your impact don't line up or whatever, because you've been through a lot. I've always just been very like. It, well, no, it's like when you grow up around borderline personality disorder, these are people that, like, if you advocate for yourself, if you need something, if you're ready to leave, they take everything very personally or as a personal mm. criticism. So if you're like, oh, hey, I'm going to have to head out, and they're like, you're leaving already? We just got, like, everything is a thing. Sure. And so it was such a relief to be around comedians who just weren't sensitive. Right. You're just like, hey, asshole, what was this? And you can Unless just- you call out one of their jokes. There's that. <laughs> 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 but I guess for me, like, I was... I. I Okay, this is getting to to the. Oh, I believe there's an over pathologizing of how many sets you do and of yourself of like I'm addicted. I got to do this thing. Like that is a winner, you know. Yeah. And Louis C.K. Everyone used to make fun of me about it. Everyone was like, Oh, when he's got to do another set. When he's going to do another set. While everyone's like, Dr- I didn't drink. I didn't do drugs. You're honing. Also, it's like there's a reason you do so many sets is you're honing the material. I have to get funny. Like the only way to get funny is on stage. And like I already felt like I, you know, I was brought up as like this next comedian is very pretty. Uh, and you're like, what? Who like, said that? That's fucking oh, lame. Oh, for years. It was yeah. always it was always about stuff like that. And it was always just like, I got haze in a way that I'm grateful for. Like, I don't, I'm is not- it, Is it because, did you come up fast? Because you were very young when you did the roast. Is that because mm-hmm. of that, you think? Well, I was doing, um, I was- It was a Joan Rivers roast? That, I was, I wrote for the roast first. Okay. So I submitted a packet for like, th- like- two years in a row and they weren't hiring anybody new mm. and I basically my manager at the time and I was 24 I was on the set of oh a my mo- god I was instead of a movie in England yeah. and I had written roast jokes like a giant packet that could work kind of for anyone it was like older woman like sex symbol like I just was working I was like I'm <laughs> yeah. gonna do this one day sure. and I just constantly did it and um, it was flavor flav uh, they were like, they're not taking anyone new. And I wrote a packet specifically for everyone that was on the dais, like yeah. uh, like jokes. And I was like, just send this to Joel Gallon, the boss. Just send this to him and have them send this to the head writer. And so um, yeah. there was one joke. Uh, there was a joke that he wanted to use. Yeah. And they were like, fuck. Like, I was like, I know. And it was um, about Flavor Flav. And the joke was... Flav, you look like what Magic Johnson should look like right now. That's a great joke. And they were like, "Fuck!" So don't they, you hate the comics do that instead of laughing? I process but it through. But that's how like I know computer. it's a good joke. No, they're like that. I know it's a good joke because you didn't laugh yeah. and you're like a little. It's like a little jealous. Well, like, well, like jokes where you say like, uh, but like a stand-up joke is so we're just so used to them that like if you, it's a real laugh when we're just talking. But like when it's can I tell you something? If that was a shitty joke, you'd be like, <laughs> you're right. You know what I'm saying? That's a really good joke. 
Uh, yeah, I love a Magic Johnson joke too. And this was, yeah, Classic. this was a bit ago. It, it probably sounds hacky now, but um, no, that's a, I just said it's a good joke. Why did you do that? Why did you just pull that back? I just commented, but no, it's not good anymore. You know why? Let me tell you why. Yeah, that was before Twitter, before yeah. you could see so many jokes all sure. the time. You know, I feel like those sort of tight one-liners that I love so much—the really surgical, tight ones that are They're all my about, favorite things my in the favorite. world. But so Louis C.K. I'm outside. I just really want to make sure I finish the story so people don't think uh, his dick was involved. It was not. Um, <laughs> it was not. That's not where the story's going. Um, he, uh, I'm outside and he's Louis C.K., you know, and sure. I'm just a kid and he was on stage and I was like leaving and I was like, oh, hi. Everyone's around him. Sure. And um, I just say hi or something. We had had something in common. I don't know. And I was like, oh, I know so-and-so or something. He's like, oh, cool. And he's like, where are you going? Because he's always looking to do more spots. He was living in New York. And I was like, oh, I'm going to head out to... Um, Pasadena, this place called the Annex, uh, which is attached to the um, Ice House, and and then I instantly apologized. I was like, I know, I just I'm crazy, and I just do like five spots a night, and I just it's just like this weird tick. And he just looked at me and he was like, No, that's what it takes. Yeah. And I, I just needed to hear that because comedians that didn't want to work that hard were shaming me for it, so that they could feel better about their laziness and the fact that they were just like drinking and cheating. <laughs> in- <laughs> All right, loser. Yeah, you're like this. No, this is what it takes. I also, I'm a big fan of doing that many sets because when you're a young comic, you know, and you you're doing those mics, uh, I jokes don't really do as well because like you saw how I just responded to a to a joke that mm-hmm. you told me. They just that rhythm is almost predictable to comics, even young comics. So I feel like I couldn't tweak jokes at open mics i would have to do real crowds to figure out jokes yeah and now that we have real crowds i don't take it for granted i mean i I love it um i have a couple questions for you so number one are there any like new jokes or bits you're working on that you're like it's not there yet like like in terms of i don't believe in this like we can't make jokes anymore that's not true no no no. you've been on the road audience people they laugh at everything people know the difference between a joke and a statement although i do think that though there is a different uh there's a different ceiling for how how high you can go how how fucked up a joke you can make on the road as opposed to like on social media where like strangers come pop because there's strangers that come pop they come they're like tattles they're just like this you can't do this i'm like well you weren't even here well also comedy is not meant to be consumed at 2 p.m i know like don't do comedy on twitter during the day that's edgy i'll get comments on like late night sets where people are like this this was like kind of a bomb i'm like well, I did a dead baby joke. Oh, no. Oh, no. You all right? Oh, my God. I wasn't getting attention for 10 seconds, and I had to still focus anyway. <laughs> um, no, but you'll, a joke won't hit, and they're like, this is 5 p.m. in Burbank. Like, what do you expect? It's also, comedy is also meant to be delivered yeah. and performed in the dark after a couple in the drinks. Dark, in you know basement. what I'm saying? It's not supposed to, you're not supposed to read it in your office in between news headlines. It's all context, you know? You don't know who people follow. But, so if you're going to come out swinging with a tweet and they follow Justin Bieber and New York Times and all in the news and the weather, and then it's like, this cunt, it's like, it's, it's not, we assume people only follow comedians so that the context is all raunchy humor, you know, edgy humor. People, like, follow their nephew and then their sister. I follow all comedians and then it's like one porn star who just retweeted a, a tweet of mine, so I just followed her. And, and How'd it's that so, go over with Taylor? Uh, I don't, I mean, I don't check Twitter much, but, like, yeah. the thing is that I saw is, uh, this from like years ago, but I would just be in like line at the grocery store and it, she'd be like taking two cocks and I'd be like, yeah, there's a time and place for this. 
And it's not the grocery store. It's you know not what I mean? the grocery store. I mean, you're not, you don't want to be scrolling. I'm scrolling through like comedian jokes. Then you're like a chick getting double teamed. It's a lot. The it's always the right time deal. Hey, want to go to Mickey D's for lunch? Ooh, let's go now. <laughs> but it's not lunchtime yet. If we're going to McDonald's, it's always the right time. Yeah, it's hard to argue with that. There's a deal for every lunch hour at McDonald's. Now's the time to get two for $3.99. Mix and match a four-piece McNuggets, a McDouble, a McChicken, or a hot and spicy McChicken. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. We now take a break from talking to the incredibly chiseled and hilarious Sam Morell to talk about single-use plastic. Single-use plastic is so to that. It's so 2000. And so is your phone falling off your chair while you're trying to construe a point. The thing is, it's 2022, which is, first of all, news to me. Second of all, it means that it's way past time to make cleaning fun, okay? Beautiful and plastic-free. Plastic is gross. Thank you, Blue Land, for having an idea that is simple and beautiful. You buy the bottle once, you refill it forever, no more plastic waste. The only thing you really need to discard is your outdated idea that, quote, eco-friendly products are more expensive and less effective. Blue Land's stunning high-quality forever bottles start at just $10 when you buy a kit and are meant to be reused forever with money-saving refill tablets that start at just $2. Right now, you can get 20% off your first order when you go to blueland.com slash Whitney. That's 20% off your first order of any Blueland product at blueland.com slash Whitney. Blueland.com slash Whitney. And I'm going to need Blue Land Cleaner to clean up all the spit I just spat all over myself during this read. I don't know why I'm so spitty today. You know, when I'm not running my mouth, you know what is happening to my mouth? I'm jamming food into it. When I'm not talking, which is rare, I'm eating. And when I'm eating, it is very rare that it's not the thing that I want to be in my mouth. I'm at a point in my life where nothing goes into my mouth unless I want it to. Read into that as deeply as you would like to because that's where I'm going, okay? You need to get what you want to eat right now. And right to your door with DoorDash. With over 300,000 partners, you can support your neighborhood go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants. You can get Popeye's, Chipotle, Cheesecake Factory, me and Benton's personal favorite. Ordering is easy and your items will be left safely outside your door. When you choose contactless delivery and drop-off, it's very simple. It's like the it's like a one-night stand with food. For a limited time, our listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app. Enter code GFY. That stands for good for you. That's what this podcast is called. That's 25% off. That's a lot of money. 25% off? I thought I read that wrong, and I normally do, but I didn't this time. 25% off, up to $10 value and zero delivery fees on your first order 
when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code GFY. Don't forget, that's code GFY for 25% off your first order with DoorDash. Subject to change, terms may apply. So yes, your food should come to you, but you know what doesn't come to your house? Comedy. You got to go see comedy. That's the one thing you can't get delivered to you. No one's going to go to your house to do joke, knock on your, knock, knock. Here's my, that's, that was a thing we did as kids. It was stupid, but uh, comedians, we don't do that. Okay. Uh, I am coming to your city, but not to your house. January 29th, I'm going to be in Durham, North Carolina at the Carolina Theater. February 3rd, I'm going to be in Charlotte, North Carolina at the Night Theater. February 4th, I'll be in Charleston, South Carolina at the Charleston Music Hall. Last time I was in South Carolina, I got like really bad um, uh, sunburn, like from like my skin started bubbling. On that note, back to the great Sam Morrell. Oh, I want to ask you a little bit. Number one, you went to school in New Orleans? For a year and a half. How was that? It wasn't great, honestly. Oh. I, I, I mean, it was. I, I saw a therapist who, my parents sent me to therapy to deal with stuff, and uh, it was right when Katrina hit. Wait, it was, I am going to make you tell this story. What? Is this the therapist that hit you over the head in a bar? No, that was a, no, wait. Oh, that was in New Orleans. That was, that was in Vermont. That this was another is time. wild. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, yeah. True story. So in Vermont, what happened was, we'll go back to the New Orleans stuff, but in Vermont, what happened was um, I was doing a club, Vermont Comedy Club. I'm with a friend of mine, Carmen Legala, who's uh, who's opening for me. She's from Vermont, though. She's like, we should go to this bar um, across the street. I'm like, oh, cool. So it's like me, Carmen, two of her uh, friends who are, uh, you know, local comedians and uh this guy just walks over to me and he was like, he's drunk and he was just like, you know, just kind of had a bad vibe about him. No, he walked over to me and was like, kind of, he was like University of Vermont. And I was just like, uh, no. And he goes, uh, master's degree. And I said, uh, you're getting colder is what I said. And uh, <laughs> then he just said, I'm going to beat the shit out of all of you. And we just kind of looked at each other and I'm like, this guy's nuts. I just turned, my big mistake was turning around. He took a pint glass full of beer and just smashed it over my head. So his hand was bloody too, was what I found out later. Did it break uh, yeah, right yeah, away? Yeah, yeah. I was saved by my, I had long hair. I had a Jufro and it smashed and it was like an airbag. It <laughs> did save me a little bit. <laughs> That's like my tits when I broke my shoulder and I hit the ground. <laughs> really? They said it stopped me from getting a concussion. It's weird, right? I mean, but it, it did help the, the cops even were like when they showed up. And of course, my mom found out because I posted an Instagram story about it trying to be fun. And my mom's like, what the fuck happened? I'm Dude, like, scalps so, bleed yeah. like all hell. I was cut up and like my neck and stuff. But it was, it was like probably a mild concussion. It wasn't that bad. And then uh, the cop, he ran out and just kind of, he like stared us down. And I'm just like, what? It's Vermont. I'm like, assuming he has a gun, you know? Yeah. So I don't want, I'm like, what the hell? So I, he runs out. And he's like not getting far. They call the cops. And what I actually, I say this and I do a joke about where I, but I actually did say, you all heard him call me Jew face before he did it. <laughs> and, you know, uh, some, some of the bar was like, I didn't hear that. And I was like, I was, was joking. But uh, <laughs> it's a joke. I was trying to be funny because I could tell people were like nervous. And I was, they thought I was like badly hurt. I was like, I'm all right. I was just more shocked than uh, hurt. But then, um, He's running off. The cops get him and the cops talk to me. And uh, we find out later, like, you know, there's a victim's advocate, which I hate that word, uh, victim's advocate. She called me and she was like, so we're just going through it. He's a therapist. 
Uh, and I'm like, well, he's probably not a very good one, but like, well, what happened? Here's what happened. So she broke down the whole story for me. He, he was going through a bad divorce. So he got blackout drunk and he just wanted, it's that classic shit where he's like, he wanted someone to beat the shit out of him. I think that's why he started shit with me. He wanted someone. So he went for the cop's gun, hoping to get shot by the cop. But how do you know that's what he was trying to do? Because that's what she was breaking down. Uh-huh. Uh, the the victim advocate. She was like, "This is what we think happened." He also might just be an asshole. He might be, but I mean, it was a felony, so he did. I think he like. She's like, "What do you want to do? Do you want to like fly out here?" I'm like, "So I got to fly back to Vermont? <laughs> yeah, to do- and get involved." And yeah, I was like, "No, I don't want to deal with this." But they but they said he's that's probably how I got into this mess. I'm like, I want to talk to his clients. I want to talk to his patients. <laughs> this is insanity. Well, so- yeah, it's also like a physical therapist, or we're no, no, sure no, no. It's he was a mental no, he therapist. was a mental therapist. There's a lot of crazy therapists out there, and I feel like there's this. Yeah, trend people now- think they're just good because there's a lot of bad doctors. No, think about how it's many a lot of people with know. a god complex. It's a lot For of people. People that want to focus on rescuing other people so they don't have to look at their own stuff. It's a lot of unrecovered codependence. It's a lot. Of, it's like the same way a lot of uh, anesthesiologists have drug problems, you well, know? It's, it's a lot of... Uh, everyone thinks it's Robin Williams and Goodwill Hunting. <laughs> it's not your fault. But it's like, no, they're fucking lunatics out there. This guy, guy had just attacked me for no reason. And... Uh, I mean, by the way, this is, I'm obsessed with crazy therapist stories. Uh, We have a famous story on our team. Uh, Emily, she went to a therapist on Halloween. It was like the first available. Halloween. And he showed up in a cat costume with whiskers. She has a picture. With whiskers on his face and a bushy tail. And was like, how can I help you? Uh, She was like, I want to commit suicide. Now I just want to kill you, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Will you that text me that photo? Yeah. I cannot get enough of it. Um, yeah, and also I think a lot of therapists because it's something I feel like as as we're comics and we talk about therapy so much. I always have to say like like free therapy is twelve step programs like Al Anon, ACA. That's what I've been in forever. Most people can't afford therapy, so yeah. I always like to say like let's not get into this like elitist like therapy hole. Sure. Um, and you can pop. But in there's and a you lot of sliding out. scale therapists out there as well. There's and, like and group and therapy stuff because sure. a lot of times sitting down and talking about yourself is the last thing you need because you're going to re embed an old story or a trauma uh, and the best thing you do is not talk about it or there's a lot of therapies that enable and make you worse if they're not giving you active tools or suggesting emdr for real trauma or suggesting some kind of like work outside they're probably just you know they want you to stay sick or they're just fucking with your head or further embedding your victim mentality sure like my therapist i you know i i'll go once a month then sometimes twice a week and depending kind of as needed but she said to me when we first started out she's like my goal is that i don't see you forever I don't. I don't have time to do that. There's too many. people. I never believed them. Well, she, she's she's no. I went in when I was in a very um, addictive romantic relationship. I, you know, I was diagnosed as a love addict. Um, I'm like the dorky addict who couldn't like do something cool like cocaine or heroin. And um, and she was like a uh, love addict. At least you get material. You get breakup jokes. That's true. You get. Yeah. I know my second special. Um, and so uh, she. I was like, and then he did this, and then he did this, and then you, when you're so obsessed with somebody, and you're just, you know, and she was like, you can't talk about him for 30 days to nobody, because basically, you're, you, it takes 30 days to break a habit, right? So like, mm. when I, I would apologize all the time, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You know that thing where women just have to like apologize like a tick. She's like, you can't, you can't apologize um, unless you've done something wrong uh, for 30 days, and wow. then I'd have to stop every time, and I like snap myself with a band to train my brain to stop doing it, and wow. that's what works. So she gives you actual tools because if you go to a trainer once a week for your body and just talk about what you want to do, that's not going to get you in shape. Same thing with mental 
you know, and also. So how many times a week do you have to go for mental health? It you depends. Think? It's like around the holidays, I up it a little bit because I have lots of <laughs> PTSD around holidays because that's when fam- my family would congregate and that's when it was like. I felt bad. You ever just laugh right before someone says something really hard? Yes, yes. You're like, let me just. Dude, I am so glad we're on the same page. I I want to ask you about therapy because sure. um, I I because I'm asking you about the like working on bits, not because I'm trying to like make you do bits, but I feel like there are. I do bits in therapy a lot. How does that go? He kind of is like, just get it out. Is this <laughs> no. the co- comedian therapist? Yeah, Alan. Okay. I love Alan. Yeah, yeah he's helped There's me a, a lot. There's a therapist in New York that just sees comedians? No, he sees uh, he sees other people too, but he sees a lot of comedians. Okay. Gary Goldman, I think, was my rec for <laughs> the comedy seller and Alan. I was going to say. Uh, Gary's, uh, Gary's done a lot for me. Uh, no, he... Uh, He's great. No, I'll, I'll just have to get sometimes. You're the only comedian that he can like talk to without hunching over. So that's why he likes you so much. <laughs> well, I remember the f- fucked up thing is, I remember my friend Phil Hanley was in therapy before me uh-huh. and I heard him get a big laugh and that's so unhealthy to hear before you go into therapist because your first thought is like, I got to bring it this week now. Mm-hmm. I got I to bring the heat, you know? <laughs> that is so funny. But it's like, you know, you want to not do that. I mean, I grew up on Dr. Katz. Like, that got me into stand-up. Oh, Remember wow. that show? Yes, of course. Because it was like, he was a therapist who only saw comedians. And it was, you know, was Louis. Was that Hugh Fink? No, it was Jonathan Katz. I know, but Hugh Fink, I think, ran it. Dr. Maybe. Ka- it was called Dr. Katz. But it was like, uh, you know, Dave Attell was on it, yeah. Ray Romano, uh, Mitch Hedberg, like everyone you could think of. And uh, it's great. It's but I thought of and Laura Coley, Silverman. Yeah, she was great on it. She's the se- uh, secretary. H. Wow. John Benjamin is the son. Yes. Wow. Dom Herrera. Dom Herrera. Ron man. Lynch. Wow. This is cra- Andy Kindler. Wanda Sykes. Yeah. yeah. Is that is that on Netflix now? Dude, anything that was on Comedy Central is impossible to find. <laughs> you have to like download a plug-in player every time and I, then answer a riddle you have and to like go to yeah you just yeah. have to you have to take a blood test i mean it's like you go to their website and i'm just like i feel viruses like i yeah. pop up ads i'm downloading malware you have to take a covid test i'm like <laughs> like i don't understand what is yeah. happening um but um i do you have to get the vaccine <laughs> to get a chip in your arm um but i there's a couple i just want to talk through this with you because i do feel like you know, you we have a very we have a the same philosophy in terms of what a comedian's job is. You know, mm. which is not to be a hero. It's, it's not to be your kid's idol. Anytime a comic is going up there and trying to say the right thing, it's like I got good at this talking to strangers in bars. Like you got to remember your your origin in this. Like we're not fucking preachers or philosophers. You know, we're, we're entertainers. If something is philosophical. Great. If something is, it's got to be funny though too. If so, yes, and it, you know, but the point is, like, we're not your hero. I hate you, when comics go up in like in Manhattan and they're like, "I think the gays should be allowed to get married," and you're like, "Ooh, bold take." You also, you okay? You also cheat on your what? You are married. You are allowed to, and and you cheat on your wife. Like you're not a well, moral it's compass. Like, it's like when like a senator is like very is all holier than thou, and then you're like, oh, you fuck little boys. But that's by the way, that's it. That's why yeah. like the, any Republican that's like, uh, I don't believe in gay marriage. You're the one that fucking taps your foot in the airport and fucks someone Larry through Craig. a hole. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Sure. So to me, anyone who's too outwardly self righteous or pious, it's always like, what are you hiding? Anyone who's over. Yeah, when I see a dude in a sweatshirt that says like feminist i'm like uh-oh uh-oh buddy yeah get you and yeah i feel like um 
to me, when someone's outwardly, I'm a piece of shit, I'm like, I got you. I trust you. I totally trust you because it's like what we do in 12-step programs, which is like you say all Well, you're setting the bar low. But you're also just saying, like, it's. I think it's also humble. But they're not going to surprise you if the bar is down here. But if someone's kind of like, I'm this great person, you're like, where are the skeletons, dude? Yeah, it's always a little bit fishy when someone, like, goes out of their way to show you how good of a person they are. Because it's like, people that don't abuse women don't have to, like, go out of their way to, like, make a statement like a press conference you know yeah but here's what i'll say it's like comedians i think right now i think they were like some of them were hoodwinked into thinking that you know maybe it was because of the pandemic and they weren't getting attention and whatever that their authorities on politics or morals or how you should vote it's like you're an authority on alcoholism depression adultery a lot of things you yeah. know what like how to get from the cellar to danger fields in 10 minutes like stay in your lane like you can't do a special about how you're like this drug addict drunk and then be like but you need to listen to me when it comes to political yeah. issues it's like <laughs> what are you doing yeah it is it's weird because I do think like John Stewart was so good at what he did mm -hmm. that it kind of became the norm for comedians to be like, well, that's what I'll do. Yeah, and it's kind of like, well, well, he made it look easy. You know, it's yeah, like he had a team of Emmy winning writers sure. and that's all he did. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but how many shows were just carbon copies of what John Stewart yeah. did afterwards? And yeah. it's just you're like, well, this isn't working. But what worked, which is this is I think what is so um, backwards about Hollywood is like I've told this story before. I'm sure Emily cuts it out every time. But that after Bridesmaids <laughs> happened, right, it was this huge movie that uh, was you know, five women in the cast and yeah. they're raunchy and they're shitting in wedding dresses and Melissa McCarthy's genius and it's huge, makes a billion dollars. So then right after that, a, a, you know, studios would call me and, and, and they go, hey, we want the next Bridesmaids. We want sure. the next Bridesmaids. Oh, right? you want the next obvious, like, yeah, everyone wants the next hit. But then they go, we want yeah. another show where it's like, you know, a movie where it's five women and maybe it's like the Bachelorette. Part. And it's like, no, no, no. Don't replicate the movie. Replicate the fact that it was an original idea. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? But so, that's not how they think. They only, the, everything's a sequel. Everything's dollar signs. Everything's a remake. Yeah. And it never, like... It's so funny. You know, they do like, I know what you did last summer as a TV show now. And you're like, we're, now we're remaking bad shit? <laughs> That's where we're at? It's like everything is a remake now. I know the box office you did 15 summers ago. <laughs> it's, it is horrible. I, mean, I think that that is more a product of the fact that nostalgia is so... Sure. Right? People are so eager for something nostalgic. I also think that the people that have money now grew up on those things. Like, if there was a my so-called life reboot I would like quit my job to watch it it was I like I they were remaking back to school with Dangerfield I'm like why are you fucking with the classic like that yeah and, look, and they end up not doing it I think Roseanne did very well and I yeah. think Saved by the Bell has done very well you know has it yeah. on the Peacock yes, one yes the comedy ones actually do pretty well the drama ones not as much because remember they remade Melrose Place they remade 90210 Dallas Dynasty like those God, have not so many. Done well. those have not done well but it's also there's something to be said for like you know, yeah, unless it's Rami or unless it's something super... But Rami is so unique. It's just like, it, there's. I mean, that's why... But if you can't do something unique, yeah. just, just you know, keep the money going to the state of the writer from 20 years ago. Like, I'm, you know what I mean? Some widow is getting that money, reboot money and like, whatever. But let me ask you... Uh, oh, what I'm saying about Jon Stewart is don't, don't go, I'm going to do a political show. Go, I'm going to do a show that showcases my strengths that's about my personal obsession. Yeah. So if you were going to do one, you know, it either would be like, you know, uh, like a sports show 
and you'd be brilliant at it, and you would be the John Stewart of that. There are, you know, not I'm not really a good do a politics show or a sports show. No, but it's just, it's a bummer. You're scrolling through whatever streamer, and it's just remake, remake. I mean, you're like, holy shit, they're making a fifth scream? Like, the first one's great. The first one's awesome. But usually it's just, it's a money grab. And then I think on the third one, they just were like, they didn't even have the same screenwriter. And you're like, well, this is like why it was good. Yeah. Because it was that guy was a funny writer. Yeah. But most movies aren't good. And that's right. okay. I don't think everyone, when they sit down, wants to watch a good movie. I think that's I think true. I think some people just want to check out and watch something mediocre that doesn't make them think too hard, that doesn't make them sweat, that they can sort of, you know, breastfeed their kid and make dinner, and it's just kind of like it's just on. There's something soothing about a bad movie, a yeah. cheesy, shitty movie where you're like, I know this is bad. I don't have to engage and go, is this good? Is this brilliant? Is my favorite movie? This is like sideways. Is this was like it's like there's something nice to just be like, this sucks. It's just a fun watch. It's low pressure. Yes. I don't have to, yeah, I don't it's have to be invested. It's on in the background. I can pop in. I can pop out. I'm sure. not like, because good movies, you're like glued to the screen. You and do you, feel guilty sometimes picking those. If it's just on TV, you're like, well, I didn't pick this. It's just there. But yes. if you if you select it on, a, on an app, it does feel kind of weird sometimes. Yeah, it's just sort of like there's- You want it to be an accident. Yes, totally. You like, know? I guess this is on. Yeah. Like, that's why I love like just Lifetime movies and stuff like that, because it's like, it's just background I've noise. I've never seen one. If you don't watch the Wendy Williams Lifetime movie, you do not, you hate yourself. <laughs> it's like, that good? You hate Is it a yourself. Good, it's a good movie? Well, it's... It's her life story? It's her life story. So there's a documentary that's on Hulu and then the life, or, or the Lifetime, it was a documentary. Her life is nuts. Yeah. And she's larger than life. She's very, um, what's the word? Um opulent person like in the, in a emotionally and otherwise you know very extreme very dramatic and it is very dramatic in the best way mm. it's in in a it's like emotional porn emotional hardcore porn interesting it's 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 and it's you know like you were talking about um on um, a podcast about like the shows that you watch and you know The Godfather and Mad Men and all these shows which my only thought you're like I love Mad Men I love The Sopranos what are your favorite shows? I mean that's it basically Are there any shows you like where women are equals? <laughs> <laughs> I am so sorry to interrupt again I, I'm interrupting myself this ugh sorry I know Sam is the funniest, but I just want to talk to you guys real quick about our next partner. Um, it's Athletic Greens. You know Athletic Greens. If you're not taking Athletic Greens at this point, I truly think you're a psychopath, okay? With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. It's lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. Athletic Greens is a small micro habit with big benefits. It's the thing that you can do every single day to take great care of yourself. It costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. What's, what is your problem? No, no need for supplements and a million pills and a bunch of things. Pills make me gag, by the way. I thank God for athletic greens because I'll take a pill and I'll be like, Bleh. Thank God for athletic greens. 
To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. That's a lot. All you have to do is go to athleticgreens.com slash Whitney. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash Whitney to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Make your friends jealous. Speaking of friends, jealous friends, good friends, bad friends, best fiends. Gosh, honestly, I'm sitting here alone in a podcast studio. No one's here. Everyone's got COVID. Um, And I am so freaking grateful for best fiends. I mean, like, honestly, I, I, I shudder. I shudder at the thought of what I would be doing sitting home alone with everybody gone without Best Fiends. Because Best Fiends is like, it's, you know, Benton and I play it all the time when we're traveling. We play it when we're like sitting at the game, we're on the plane, you know. Instead of doing something self-destructive, like just compulsively online shopping. Because I'm on tour, I have been playing so much lately. I am on level 101. No big whoop. And if you're confused about what Best Fiends is because you're a weirdo uh, that lives in a bunker, Best Fiends is the perfect puzzle game to lose yourself in because you're having so much fun. The game features tons of cute characters that help you solve thousands of fun puzzles. The more you play, the more characters you collect, and the more you win, the more challenges you face. Download Best Fiends free today on the App Store or Google Play. That's best friends without the R, best fiends. Now back to Sam Morel. Enjoy. Do you like any shows where women aren't crying? 30 Rock. <laughs> <laughs> Seinfeld. But it's just funny to me because like what a guy now is like, dude, I'm obsessed with Mad Men. It's like, no, you m- want to live in that era. No, I love the writing. I think the writing's yeah. great. Everyone's like, what I just else? feel What's like... Another, hmm. What's a, what's a new show that's... That you like? Did you like Narcos? Fleabag was great. Fleabag's amazing. That's women. Again, woman crying. <laughs> woman, oh no, woman getting anally fucked in the hmm. first scene. No, I'm totally joking. You would I love think, the no, Handmaid's Tale. Question. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like, think I would. But there is something interesting. I think that's too... I want it to be subtle abuse. I don't want it oh, to be yeah, over yeah, the yeah, top. Oh yeah, yeah, psychological abuse and yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm really picky about what I watch because I just am trying to be... I'm so... Um, sensitive like when I I I take it on like Mm, I get you wear it I get like lost in it I get obsessed I get like there's the show coming what's your favorite shows let me tell you real quick just Christina Ricci's coming on um uh or was just on whatever however this airs and um there's a show called Yellow Jackets. It is about a soccer team in the 90s who gets in a plane crash and on in uh, like the middle of the woods in uh, like Upper Canada, and it's Lord of the Flies with girls. Mm. It is bananas, dude. And they all like turn on each other and start eating each other. It's fucking amazing. So it's just uh, that's what that's the norm now is like Squid Game, right? Just people murdering each other. That's just high school for girls, yeah. yeah. Um, but. So I, I I was riveted. I mean, like, I can, you know, as someone that I think still has a little bit of a, not guilt, but like an embarrassment or a frustration of the last couple shows that I was doing, like, didn't happen. There's a little bit of a, like, well, 
I could have written that or I could have done that with comedy. It's hard to watch comedy. Sure. Because I'm like, I auditioned for that. Or, you know, you still have in the back of your brain that jealousy or that embarrassment or that kind of like, they should have done it this way. And, oh, that's, a, you know, that's like so-and-so's joke. Like, every now and then you'll see a joke in a show where you're like... It's, it, rem- it reminds you of another joke, for And sure. so many shows now that everyone loves are about female comedians. I can't watch <laughs> any. are played I can't by watch comedians. Any. I can't well, wa- Hannah is on um, Hacks. Yeah, true. Yeah. And she's a Jew. A lot of them are like Jews... But played by non-Jews. Well, there's that. Sarah Silverman yeah. was very clear on that. Um, I mean, Catherine Hahn is so brilliant. I love her. But yeah, I think she's playing Joan Rivers. I'm not that fun to watch TV and movies with because I'm like, I'm the like. You analyze everything. Well, I'm just like focused on the thing that is not at all <laughs> the selling point. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sure. Like uh, Narcos, there was a German Shepherd in it, and I was just like, "That dog has hip dysplasia." I couldn't watch that either. Like I, the Everyone dog loves that show, but the dog had hip dysplasia, and so I was like, "On the set, are they giving the dog these anti-inflammatories it needs?" Well, and then they shot the dog, and I was like, "Okay, well, we're done here." <laughs> that was <laughs> the the whole American side of that story. I was like, "This is like over the top mm-hmm. comical." I couldn't; it didn't feel real to me. And then the drug side was very good, but I yeah. You know, you can visit his house in uh, Pablo's. Yeah. Columbia my friend Dory went really? you can go on like a tour and there's like bullet holes that like it's apparently pretty amazing interesting we should we'll plan a trip yeah that's my kind of vacation <laughs> let's go see where a bunch of people got sprayed with bullets Columbia's supposed to be beautiful yeah so this is a I'm obsessed with premises not words I'm not afraid of words or saying words or you know just this I think that the more you know comedians it's our job to play in the taboo and say things that are taboo. So the more things that are taboo, the funnier we get. So the more words that are off, the better things go. Like, I'm like, comedians, stop complaining about cancel culture. It's the best thing that could ever happen to us. I mean, not if you like rape. I also don't, yeah, yeah. I think like (laughs) cancel culture in regard to joke, every comedian's like, whatever. But when you're talking about like raping someone, you're like, yeah, they should be canceled. That's not canceled. That's just illegal. That's That's just, that's people are allowed to respond to something horrific. You didn't say Indian and said a Native American. That's not what that was. You (laughs) know? I'm, yeah, I, I don't think I don't think many people are worried about that. I don't know. I think you're the person to run this by. There's a premise that I'm it's weird that I'm not able I don't I, I, the jokes aren't there yet. Sure. But it's something I'm scared of because I feel like there was this conversation about like toxic masculinity and like I also don't want to bash men or be negative towards men, but a, a something I'm noticing as someone that's in therapy who does not do what I'm about to say. Um, I find it hilarious that so many older men now, all men, but men like in their late 30s and 40s are going to therapy probably largely because of people like you that talk about it. And like, I don't think it's because of me. <laughs> no, not, but I'm just saying, like, it's. I think it's usually someone in their life that's like, you need to go to therapy. No, it's, but someone who's cool and is like, I went to therapy, it helped me. I don't know what, to, like, it, it makes it less of a you're a pussy. I think it, Woody Allen popularized it as my analyst, all this. I think there was that type of thing. I know? think Woody Allen was the worst advertisement for therapy ever because he just got worse and worse and crazier and crazier every year. He never got better. Yeah. Well, he's probably carrying a lot of stuff around. <laughs> I, am I don't. A, he doesn't strike me as the type of person who's honest in therapy. You don't know. He's just so self-indulgent. And you ever hear, you ever, you we, ever hear, we, uh, we, this is one thing. New Yorkers, I, always, I, I don't like Woody Allen. I oh, don't, really? I don't think he's funny. Uh, I mean, I think his movies are great. I don't think he's a good person. I don't think they're that good. Really? Manhattan you ever see is Bullets fantastic. Over Broadway? Yes, it's fine. That's a good movie. If you love New York and grew sure. up in New York, like I understand the sure. porn of the city. I just, I'm not going to pretend like his movies make me laugh. They just sure. don't. No, it's not for Annie Hall was originally a horror movie that he had to recut because it was so bad. It was called Anadonia. 
right? Changed it. And as Annie Hall is his his genius is casting. Mm. Right? His genius is casting. Diane Keaton. Here's my problem with Diane Keaton. Everyone's like, Annie Hall, Annie Hall. It's like she's an idiot. She's mm. an idiot ninny in the movie who's like, hey, don't be da 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 da. Like, why can't you speak? <laughs> like, get it out. You're 40. I don't, I don't buy that she was like so nervous around Woody after playing tennis with him. I don't buy that. Also, if a man over 40 complains, I'm you make me sick. <laughs> why are you complaining so much? Pull it to You're scared of a lobster? Like, I it's so, uh, it's so gross. To you're me. like a different type of man. I just, I don't buy. You know, I don't buy it. No, no. Do you ever hear Wayne Fetterman's joke where he goes, uh, what, Woody Allen, uh, my hero, all these years and still married to the same daughter? Oh, so funny. That's a great joke. Also, that was weird. Yeah, it's that's my first memory. I met him on the street when I was like six, and I knew him from the tabloids. I, I'm like, I was a six-year-old who knew Woody Allen from the tabloids. Kathy Griffin has a story I, she, she stopped by, do you know this story? Cause she told it, I think she told it in one of her specials. Woody Allen would not speak to her. She was like, and I, I don't, this was before the head. This was before like all the controversy with Kathy. If you're a comic and you're at dinner, like for me, when comics go to, when I'm in a fancy thing. Oh my God, I'd be thrilled to see I'm a like, comic. Comedian. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I don't even care if you, we don't like each, you don't like me or we haven't gotten along. Like, co comedian. Thank God, know? yeah, yeah. Like, thank God. And we're just going to hide in the corner and make fun of everybody. For sure. So, for a comedian to not, to not even want to talk to Kathy at all, it's just weird. She was like, so what's your favorite band? What's your favorite movie? Like, was just trying to, like, With Woody. Go, okay, he must be a narcissist. Just ask him about himself. He'll want to sure. talk about himself. He he finally answered. She was like, "Well, what's your favorite TV show?" His real answer. I don't read. I bet he said. He. I mean, yeah, I, don't, I don't watch. I don't watch TV. movies. I don't, I don't watch, have time. Yeah, yeah. What do you think his favorite movie was? I bet it was like. I'm a, sorry. Favorite TV show. Woody <laughs> Allen. I bet it's something. Is it? Is it? Old? Give me a hint. Is it old or is it? Old. Well, it's young and old. I have no idea. What is it? Hannah Montana. Woody Allen is what he said. Dead serious. That's fucking bad. Wild. That is not good. That was like six, five years is ago. Is that, who is that? Uh, what's her name? Miley Cyrus. Miley, Jesus. It's a, like, was he trying to be funny? No. <laughs> That's not, you know Jeez. what I'm saying? What, yeah. what, like, like, it's just, I, there's no way to process it. It's yeah. too wild. <laughs> Shit. Bummer. That's a bummer. That's a that made major, me sad. That's a major bummer. No, he's something. He's someone that I've had to kind of make peace with. Is a terrible person. I mean, yeah. that's it's tough. I mean, uh, I just like why is he putting all these beautiful women in cargo shorts from the Gap? Like, why is Emma Stone wearing a white tank top under an olive green tank? Is top? that him? Or is that's that a costume the, the way designer? he dresses his women? No, I mean he makes every decision. Really? The way that he like, I don't know. It's just. I don't like that all the women in his movies are obsessed, crazy, psycho. That's the way he sees women, like Lucy Punch's mm. character. Um, I, in, did, I did notice in Blue Jasmine, the way she spoke to her kid, I was like, that's not how a mom talks to a kid. He just hates women. That, I want to think he knows how a parent talks to a kid. The one, the, what was the Christina Ricci one with um, Jason Biggs? Jason, she's like this crazy psycho. Yeah. Like every woman is a nutcase. As someone who is a nutcase, <laughs> I take umbrage at this. It's, that's not how you write a nutcase. How is that's crazier yeah. than even me? Yeah. How, like this isn't a person that could be fo the, the women he writes should need to be in a conservatorship. 
Like mm. they're a danger to themselves. Sure. <laughs> the way that they behave. You're just like, what is happening? Like, like that was that was Britney, right? This is yeah. This is how you see sure. women. It's so dark. But let me um I'm just curious if there's any premises that you're like kind of dancing around and you're like, I haven't like A the, bit, you mean? Yes. That like, I'm, working I, on? I'm working on one about how men are going into therapy in their late 30s and 40s and they've decided like like scumbags and they come out and they're like I know what happened. The reason I struggle with intimacy in relationships is my dad didn't love me. Like they got some information from their therapist or some feedback that was like this is why you do this. It's you're just a victim, you're just a puppet of the marionette doll operator that is your childhood damage. And they'll be like and cuz I had an ex recently go and that this is why I cheated on you as because, you know, my dad didn't love me. I'm like, that's the only reason why? Like, wasn't because she was hot. Wasn't because you could, like. You were most disappointed? It was only yeah. you saw this gorgeous, you know, I think she was like a stripper. And, and you were like, dad, dad didn't throw yeah. me that baseball. I got to fuck that thing. Like, are you sure that in using it as a way to just completely remove responsibility from their own choices. Like, I'm, I don't have the exact thing down yet, but yeah. there's something really funny about that. There's something funny about about, <laughs> about you blaming your dad for your free will. You're 40. You, yeah, At you, a certain point, your dad's off the hook. You know what I mean? Yeah, your dad, your dad never loved you, so you fucked a stripper. Like, I feel like that's A plus B does not. I don't think you've that's got like, a, You've got a good therapist. I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> He's very supportive. Well, now every yeah. guy will go to therapy. Yeah, there's a line around the block for that therapist. Yeah. But there's just, it's something funny to me about like a 45 year old guy being like, this it's is why. Is he really sick? Because my dad didn't love me. Well, it was like something of like my dad was gone a lot, and I saw him disrespect my mom, so I did the same pattern. I'm like, I don't. You didn't see him go to a strip club. But also, here's my issue with that too: is like a lot of people see that and they're like, "Well, I'll never do that." You know, you just you got totally. I mean, it's like kind of like when my dad's an alcoholic, so I'm an alcoholic. I'm like, yeah, but a lot of people saw their dad being an alcoholic and was like, "I'm never touching booze." But then I'm confused because she, he was like, she. It's like okay. If we're going to go down this logic, uh, if I'm going to believe you on this, yeah. my dad was gone a lot and he disrespected my mom and like ignored her and was rude to her. Then shouldn't you have ignored and been rude to the stripper and been gone? But, he, but you're the mom in this situation, right? That, and that's his mindset. Now you're just calling me old. Now I need to go back into therapy. <laughs> so it's like, it's just a lot. Like, I just like that someone, when they go into therapy for the first time. Well, it's because you're dead. And they think they have some big way to complete. Because true therapy is, that was your responsibility. You own apology. You're your own person. You're not your story. Like, good. this is why this all, the pain happened, but... You're a grown adult now, and sure. you, you know, he's forty. He, I don't. I'm just saying. I'm just making up vague numbers. I yeah, think he's yeah. older than that now. But I love the idea of when people come out of therapy and they're like, "We cracked it." I know what's wrong. Yeah, Get I did nothing wrong. Yeah, and my dad <laughs> didn't play football with me. It's it's like they act like they solved the mystery, but. And they, the way they think it's going to go over, yeah, is what's funny. He was about expecting that. A, a big hug for Bang, that. Mic drop. Mic drop. Yeah. They they expect you to be like, ah. Like, what? How did you think this was going to go? Yeah, there's something interesting about... I just love a therapist giving you like that. He thinks that's going to be the out. Or that was his takeaway. Yeah. Like, I'd love to have seen the exchange and then 
the person's takeaway. You know what I'm saying? When someone's like, yeah, my therapist said that you just need to stop being so aggressive. And you're like, I feel like you <laughs> contorted that to benefit yourself. He made himself the victim when yes. you're the victim of this situation, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Or, or not. I mean, every time you... Well, if you're being cheated on, I'd say that... I got yeah. jokes out of it. Made me stronger. That's that's not a healthy. You can't say that to someone you're dating. I'm just making you stronger. Yeah, I was trying to give you material. That's why I did that in Vegas. You're welcome. You have a new closer. Yeah, yeah I'm just at a your, point. Your shirt smells like perfume. You're welcome. You are welcome. Now you have an IG story. <laughs> no, that's uh, he's making himself the victim. When I mean, that's the problem with therapy for some people is that they don't they don't take a real look at themselves. Mm-mm. Like they're they're not looking at they're looking at to blame. Well, they're not looking at their impact, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's looking at how how he's hurt from that situation totally. rather than I mean, it's great if you want to break patterns, but mm-hmm. also like if you cheat on someone, you got to talk about that. Yeah. And like shit like yeah, I hurt a person. You can't Yeah, just... yeah, yeah. And let me is there anything that you're working on in therapy specifically right now? Or like what is a habit you want to break? Habit I want to break. Doesn't have to be big I think empathy. I think I lack empathy in some ways. And like, I, I'm trying. Would you say it's for, because there's a difference between a lack of empathy sure. and getting bored easily. And a lot of it's getting bored easily. I, 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 I have very bad ADD. I disconnect. I, I uh, yeah. But a it's, lot of problems are not yours to solve either. So a lot of times people overcorrect the other way and they're so codependent that they, they solve problems that aren't theirs. They pity people that are adults that they don't need to pity. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, some, you don't need to rescue anyone. You don't need to take on everyone's feelings. Like I have the opposite. My thing is I have too much empathy and I'm trying to clean up everybody's messes all the time. And I'm trying to like, like get in everybody's lives and here's the, and here's how we'll fix it. And we'll do this. And then I'm in all these toxic, I'm raising adults. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And not giving them the dignity of their own experience so they can learn to solve their own problems. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm, I think I yeah. Think that's always bad. I think yeah. I've I've I started therapy in New Orleans when I was like eighteen. I've been going on and off for a long time. It was like a weird situation. I mean, it was like it was right when Katrina hit, so it was like the ninth ward, you know. And it was it it, it was weird. It was like it looked like Shutter Island, the hospital where I went to. <laughs> it looked cre- it was abandoned. So uh, I like saw the- you, like me. <laughs> this is perfect. <laughs> well, that was an issue I had to deal with. You know, I had a very fortunate situation. Like my, I have a great dad, but I had a, a biological dad I just didn't talk to. So uh-huh. there was, there was just. I Were think, you adopted? No, my mom raised. The term is legally adopted, but I'm mm. not like adopted. Adopted. I wasn't like in an orphanage. I had a yeah, great yeah. mom, and she married a dad who's. I love my dad. He's the best. You know, but I have a biological dad who lives nine blocks from me in New York. So I would like run into him on the street. You know, and I was like, it, yeah, it's weird to just see him and be like, I'm going to go that way. It's also weird to see your dad every day. He, well, he looks just like, like me. Like in That's, your house. Like yeah, it's yeah. Just like <laughs> So that was weird, but yeah. He looks I mean, just like you. We look, well, he's in his 80s, but yeah, he looks just like, he's very old when that happened. Um, it reminds me of the Steve Jobs story of when he went to that restaurant where his dad, his biological father was a waiter. Yeah. And his dad waited on him, but he never told him. Yeah, that's crazy. Well, I met him. I met him. I mean, I've met him. How old were you when you met him? 19 or 20. I was dating a girl who was like, both her parents were psychiatrists and she was a little nuts. And she, 
She would do shit in fights that was like, because she knew I'd never met him. So when we'd fight, she'd be like, she'd be like, who are you really yelling at? And I'd be like, oh, come on. That's not fair. That's, that's so that's not cool. funny. So uh, she was good at that. So that I was like, yeah, I should she probably meet available him. available in a writing capacity so, for TV shows. So I asked my mom and she was like, yeah, he left a safety deposit box for you. And it was like a note. It was like a, a typed up note. Uh, he was like, here's why I did it, and I'm sorry. And uh, uh, he was going through a lot of shit. I, I'm not as angry as I was. I was angry as a kid just because like, I was like, what the hell? I'm, I'm cool. Why the hell would you leave? Mm-hmm. But, uh, but I ended up getting like a good deal out of it. My dad's a great dad. Yeah. So, but, uh, he, and you got funny. <laughs> you got but, trauma. <laughs> but, well, it's not really trauma. You know, it, it, he was... He's an interesting guy. I mean, he's a lot like me. And like, I do see, I mean, some of the issues you're like, well, I don't want to end up like him in any way. You know, mm-hmm. there's, there's those issues. So it's weird to see the person who looks physically most like you and you're but like, do you say I don't want to be that. Yeah, I've been to his place. You know, uh, his wife is really cool. His wife is, uh, his wife is a hairdresser and she toured with Cher and Lily Tomlin. So I got to like have dinner with Lily Tomlin a couple of times. I'm like, she's one of my heroes. I love her. So, um, yeah, she's the, she's a genius. I love her. Um, but yeah, so we, uh, it was weird. I mean, meeting him for sure. But then, you know, it's, you kind of just want to know. I've, I've talked to people who are like, have a similar situation. Like, I don't want to know. And I'm like, well, I wanted to know just for me. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's interesting to me. I don't know. Yeah, we're biologically wired to want that. And um, in your mom, so you were raised by her and the new guy. When did he come in? He came in when I was like four and they oh. got married when I was like seven. And so I, I kind of don't have a memory of any other other way. I mean, mm-hmm. he and he's such a great dad. Mm-hmm. So, um, but what does it, he do? He's a lawyer. He's, oh, cool. he, he, uh, he was kind of pushed a little bit into early retirement by his company so he started his own <laughs> arbitration firm and he's doing well I mean he's he's a hustler he works so hard I mean he's, I love that yeah. I think a lot of great comedians are worse I think comedians are essentially lawyers right you're arguing your my case my brother and sister are both lawyers see that's what I'm saying so yeah. Greg Geraldo was a lawyer uh, he was one of Dimitri the best Dimitri Martin yeah. like a lot uh, of great because you're basically arguing your case right so it's like women are like cars that's not true. <laughs> I, it's basically your honor. Let, what do hear you mean? Me out here. Exactly. Just hold on. Yeah. I, it's basically you take you say something that's not true and then you prove it. Right. You for know sure. what I'm saying? So you're like women My are like, innocent. Yeah, exactly. Women are like yeah. exactly. Yeah. Women are like cars. Hear me out. Yeah, yeah. They come in three colors. They're worth you know. It's five hundred a month to keep one, and you should only have them for two years. Like whatever. They lose their value the second they whatever. But, but I don't they, know. you know, they. Um, the, who's the high-priced lawyer is usually the defense, right? And yes. the defense is the harder yes. argument, right? So yes. you kind of want to be the comedian who makes the harder well, argument. Well, yes, you're the person that's like, look, he killed his brother, but like, let's be honest, his brother did do this and that. Like, you know what I mean? What would you have done? But totally, like, now you have to pay less taxes. Those are the best bits. I mean, like, those, like, that's why I grew up on, like, Chris Rock, because it was always, like, this fucked up setup, and mm-hmm. then the turn, you'd be like, whoa. That's it. Like, that's kind of interesting that a joke can do that that's really what he does it's like right. i'm gonna say something that is you've never thought of that makes no sense and i'm gonna make it the like duh yeah like i'm gonna make it true sure it's like that magic trick so yeah lawyers definitely do that so yeah it's and then my mom is an artist so it was like kind of like that that's amazing so is that kind of and then uh, you got that work ethic my dad was a lawyer yeah and um and uh I, and 
I love that shit. And then, um, so in therapy, you're working on having more empathy. Yeah, and just being more connected, I think. It's easy for me to check out when things get, you know, asked of me. I'm very, I'm very, my dad is very work focused. So I I definitely got that from him, Mm -hmm. you know. That's a coping mechanism though. And it also serves you. It's like, I just feel like there's, you know, in 12-step programs, we call them um, character defects or superpowers. Like there's certain things that are pathologized by society that actually like work for us. Like I went to um, this doctor we had on the podcast, Dr. David Agus. Like I, I, I didn't really have a doctor. Like I had like a gynecologist, many gynecologists. <laughs> Your team. Yeah, my team of gynecologists yeah. for one one got carpal tunnel, uh, just digging out all the random shit in there. And um, and then I have a rheumatologist that um, I kind of use for everything because I have like joint stuff in my broken shoulder. But I don't have like a what do you call him? G J. What's a general doctor? General practitioner? GP. Like, I don't have, like, a GP. And he was like, you got to come down. You got to do, like, the sonogram thing. And I fake boobs, so the sonogram's, like, a whole saga. And and he was asking, he's like, what's going on? How are you feeling? Because I get really, like, chronic, like, migraines. And so we're talking about stuff. And I was like, you know, I just have, like, anxiety. And, like, I can't sleep sometimes, you know, and this and this. And he was like, is that serving you at all like is that necessarily a problem we want to solve you know you're not sleeping not sleeping well it's like she sounds like a lazy doctor well it's like are are you getting work done are you you know i don't i can't fall asleep till two in the morning but that also because doing that served me sleep in or do you wake up early i can sleep in and then nap uh i always nap between four and five and like break up my days into two days when i'm doing stand-up so that it's Mm. like i wake up and it's like you do your first set but he was like okay but you work till two in the morning isn't it kind of good that you can't that you're not tired at night like you know he's like don't conflate and let other people pathologize certain things that are serving you in general you have to understand our work schedule is like nine to five they don't go to sleep at six yeah yes if you work till 11 or 12 why would you go to sleep at one yeah yeah, yeah, totally. But it's just like for me, and he was like, let me, let's talk about the anxiety stuff. Like, it, anxiety is our body like giving us valuable information sometimes. It's like, I'm like, I'm socially anxious. That might, yeah. the, the, the people at this party suck and you should leave because these people are dangerous or not good for you or whatever. Like, it's, you know, I think there's certain, you know, I have friends that can't get out of bed with like legitimate anxiety disorders, sure. but anxiety in general is usually your body giving you valuable information. And if I had listened to it earlier, I would probably have a, had a lot less like toxic relationships. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's your body. It's if, if you're shaking cause something's making you feel bad, yeah. get the fuck out. Yeah. Also a lack of empathy, I think sometimes is a form of energy conservation and it is. You sound like that guy's therapist. I know. <laughs> Actually, having no empathy, Look, it, you're. Do you have? Are you more bubbly in the afternoon? I mean, I'm I mean telling let's, you, I don't know. I believe we all have a finite set. I would call them energy dollars a day. Sure. And you have to, especially since we need the most energy at night. If you go through the day having lunch with your friends, and then you stop someone on the street, then you visit your aunt who's sick, and then the this and this, and you've spent all your energy dollars. Like by the time you need to be attentive with Taylor and have like a focused conversation and hear about her day and what's going on or by the time you need to go on stage you're like don't have anything left so no, we're both tired I mean we both do a lot I mean that's just part of the road too is like we're both tired sometimes that's I know but I think is. but but empathy is very um expensive energetically <laughs> so it could just be, I I definitely can like shut down if I need to and just go coffee and, helps yes Coffee helps my empathy. <laughs> so you might be right. Energy is part of it. You know what I'm going to ask you about? I'm going to ask you about compromise because sure. I'm unwilling to compromise. Are you? 
Yes. And for the most part. But you and Taylor are both on the road so much. We're both very busy. So what do you do? Do you schedule FaceTimes? Like, do you schedule... We're very good, actually. We What we do is... Um, we didn't used to do this, but now on the road, a lot of times before bed, we'll do like, we'll FaceTime while we're watching a show. So you can kind of have the corner of the person and then you watch the show in the other corner so I can like kind of see a reaction. You're like, it kind of feels like watching a show at home. Okay. Is that weird? Well, if we're both in different cities, you know? No, it's, it's you know what? That was a very judgmental look. Nope, nope. Here's why I like it. Here's why I like it. Okay. Well, because I know you're making her watch Mad Men and you're just watching all these women. She, just be, actually, she on. wanted to watch it. I bet. That was her pick. And then, okay, it's not like sports or something. No, no. The ones, I, I always want to watch Sopranos and she can't do, vi- nothing violent before bed. No, no, thank you. Sex only. There is um, something wrong with me that I can watch that shit. There's literally a dude getting his head caved in with a golf club and I'm like, <sighs> Right I drive, you know the movie Drive. That scene, I am addicted to watching the scene where yeah. he kicked that guy's head in. Oh, that was fun in the elevator. Yes, yeah, because yeah. well, first of all, that slow, how slow it is. Oh, he like kisses her and then does it's it. It's the hottest thing I've ever seen. Totally. Some of these action movies, though, you're just oh kind of like, God. it is hilarious. Like I was just watching Lethal Weapon the other day. Just I was like, I haven't seen this movie since I was a kid. And it literally opens with a woman and her tits out, and she jumps off a building. You're like, this is the most actiony open ever. <laughs> literally, per- big fake tits, tits out, shirt open, jumps to her. D- like this could not be more made for men. I'm obsessed with um, uh, foley artists um, who make the sounds of things in movies. Like they have got this giant room full of shoes and swords and vintage guns and fruit and watermelons and candy um, glass and stuff. (laughs) And they're the ones you go in and they watch the movie and they take two boots and they've got a giant mound of gravel, a giant mound of uh, grass, a giant mound of dirt, and they'll make the sounds. They'll have horseshoes. They'll do the whole thing. That's wild. And there's an amazing video on how they did the sound for that scene where he bashed his head in, they took sugar glass, put it around a watermelon, and like he popped it with a, like a, not a, what's the, not a spear, but like a blunt kind of pointy thing and had to try with a bunch of different fruit. But that was the most close sound. And then like a neurologist will come in or a neuroscientist and be like, that's what a brain would sound like if you squashed it. Exactly. Like, I love that (laughs) You know what's so weird is like the way we're always thinking about jokes in a cafe. He probably hears a sound. It's like, I could use that. By the way, Isn't that crazy? Can you do that again? Can you, are you just eating the banana pudding? Can you you do that one more time? 100%. Obsessed. The way you're chewing that, we could use that for a sex scene. Yeah, exactly. Let me say that quick. Can you do that one more time? Um, But, um, Here's why I love it, because I do think I find uh, when I'm trying to maintain a relationship, when I'm traveling a lot or long distance, when you FaceTime, there's all this pressure to be like, like, yeah. how was your day and how are you feeling and, and to deliver and to, have to a be good, communicative. There's nothing to on say the road. sometimes. Of course. I mean, yeah, a lot of a relationship is just being next to a person. Right. And when you're traveling all the time. Exactly. So when you're traveling all the time, it takes a lot of extra effort. But, you know, you got to you kind of have to make that effort. So that's that's work on both of our parts. You I know? mean, it's, I don't know. I can just see myself even making, like FaceTiming, watching a show, like like winding down, stressful. Like it's like something happens and you laugh. I'm like, oh, was that funny? Oh, you thought it was funny when you pushed the girl? You think oh, I'm, yeah. I'm going to fucking scold what? her? Oh, okay. oh, you think Seinfeld's a good show? Okay, sorry. What's oh, you wrong think, with oh, you? Oh, you think she's pretty? Is she prettier than me? It's just like... <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't... Uh, uh, Thank God. That's a really good idea. Because 
when you're on the road and you're or trying to just stay connected or trying to just, a lot of times it's like people go in with different expectations of what that call should be. And sometimes we have no energy to give. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you just FaceTime and say goodnight. But I think when you're apart, you want that just check-in mm-hmm. for the most part. She's yeah. better at it than I am, but I, I know to check-in. I know yeah. that's like important. I know to check-in. <laughs> I know, I think it's important, well, you know? Love, I get her, it. What, is her love language words of affirmation? I, no, I think it's actions. I don't think it's words. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think, acts of service. I think, I think words feel empty without the actions. Yeah, yeah, you know? 100%. Yeah, and I think to, yeah, yeah, people like us, words are actually can be even more confusing if it's not congruous with your actions. Like, I don't want to hear the words. I know you're good with words. You're a professional comedian. I'm that person. Like, I don't want to hear the words. You know what I mean? Um, but, uh, oh, that's really- Yeah, yeah she well, hears the words. She's like, that's a Leonard Cohen lyric. Yeah, that's yeah. bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the monologue from Labyrinth? <laughs> you have no power over me. Like, what? Okay, so what? I want to know your top five favorite movies. Favorite movies? Let me think. Uh, Out of the Past is one of them. Okay, so these, no one's going to know any Okay, do you want more modern ones? I don't know. Okay, I'm just Fargo. trying to get to know you. Fargo. Fargo. Great. I can watch it anytime. Do you love like David Lynch movies? I saw Blue Velvet as a kid. I haven't seen a lot of David Lynch movies, honestly. Yeah. Which is weird because I know that he's like- uh, I feel like these would be fun to watch with your girlfriend on, because they're so open for interpretation. They're great- to talk about, to be like, yeah. oh, I thought this was a symbolism for capitalism, or the like. I thought this was no, I didn't think that at all. I thought it was just a sex scene. Like, it, it, you either can read a ton. It's like a Rorschach test. She's shown me, I lo- yeah, I love that. She's shown me movies that are like, you know, she loves Singing in the Rain. I'd never seen that until her. I love that movie. You're both so old. I know we're old people. You're like old. People. Maybe I, this is why you, you know guys what, are so depressed about the world is because you think it's still like that. You know what's weird is that you should watch actually, new movies. Those movies actually make me optimistic in a weird way because those the fact that they're still that they stand the test of time almost a hundred years later makes me kind of optimistic about the world. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, I I love. That's why I love old movies. I'm like, this was made in the 40s and it's still good. I the mean, Philadelphia I, Story is. Uh, that's my a favorite. great movie. Yeah, that's her favorite, favorite. I think. Yeah, well, that's weird. She loves Philadelphia Story. Uh, Jimmy Stewart. Yeah, but also... Rear Window. I love all those old movies. But it has the best... um, uh, A line that changed my life because I studied, like, film in college. That's, like, what I studied. And um, and I think once you've, like, done film critique, you, like, like, can't... It's not fun to watch anymore because you're just, like, overthinking it. And then... um, But, no, there was a a line that um, uh, Catherine Hepburn, a.k.a. Red, or that's what Cary Grant called her in the movie, um, had, which is... um, Red, you have no tolerance for human weakness. Mm. And that it made me, when I was like frustrated with- I think people, my therapist said the same thing to me. It's, a, it's that, <laughs> that I, I realized I get insecure when someone has some kind of weakness or insecure. So I feel unsafe. Yeah. And then I'm like, and it's a very primal reptilian thing of like, if there's a fire, who's going to handle it? Like, there, you know what I mean? It's a very fight or flight thing because I sure. grew up without a lot of- um, You want to be protected. That's what it is. And when sure. someone has a kind of weakness, myself having many, but I, I get f- frustrated. Or when someone's insecure, it's like, you can't doubt yourself. Like, we're, in, we're at war here. We're, this is life, motherfucker. Like, I get frustrated, but it's also a good thing to think about because I, I think we glamorize by accident. We're just being authentic. And sometimes oversharing and just being comedians, but we tend to overemphasize our limitations. Like I'm so insecure, I'm such a mess, I'm such a disaster. Because that's a, that's the shortest way to a joke, right? Completely. Yeah. But in social situations, it's just kind of annoying. Because and it's limiting. Of, well, it's also like 
I think you're great. And I'm, what do you know about you? Right. You know what I mean? You're stuck in some version of yourself from the past or what your dad said to you or what your mom did. Like, I know you. Yeah. And you're none of those things. Uh-oh. Like, you know, and this is something that um, I heard once from a friend of mine's uncle randomly. He said, insecure people are dangerous because an insecure person is the person that's going to, in another situation, tell your secret to try to get someone else's approval. Mm, like, the insecure. So when someone. Well, think about the words are insecure. Right, you break insecure. it down. I mean, you say this house is insecure. That's fucking bad. I'd like to get out of here. The Miami condos were insecure. So my thing is, if you're saying you're insecure, you're either trying to control me or make me feel sorry for you. Yeah. Or if it's true, I can't tell you any of my secrets because you're insecure and you'll do anything for other people's approval. Mm. And it's also, it's not a permanent state. Like if you want self-esteem, go do esteemable actions. So if you're so insecure and have low self-esteem, that means you're not doing esteemable actions. Go take your neighbor's trash out. Go get groceries for your, your grandfather. Go do stuff that's going to build up your self-esteem instead of just talking about it. But I think a lot of people, they brag about it. Like, because I'm so insecure. I'm like, why are you saying this as if you're on the cast of Insecure? Yeah, and it's like a bra- it's like a bragging point for <laughs> yes. them. And you're like, no, it's not good. You don't get points for that. You, you know get points if there's a funny joke. You're right. On stage, it's funny. Yes. But in life, like, you know, great so place flag. to visit. Red flag. Don't want to live here. The only thing anyone should be insecure about is not being able to drive. <laughs> what What is this power move? Uh, I have a license, actually, but I just can't. I uh, Taylor let me drive her car once, and you she was can, like, absolutely not. You just not. don't want to. No, I'm terrible. I'm really bad. Uh, but you could, I think. That- I remember I did a road gig in 2010, I believe, with Joe List. I don't know if you know Joe. Love Joe. Joe, yeah, Joe is my buddy, and J- this was and like you a you know total- Renan comes on the road with me now? He's a fucking murderer. Yes. He Renan is- Hirschberg, who has um, done wanna- a couple cities with me. And is yeah, shooting he loves his, he loves touring with you. He has the funniest and the only COVID joke I even want to hear because after COVID, it was like COVID, like we were just all so sick of it, and yeah. every comic's talking about COVID. I think like by a couple months ago, it was like okay, let's just talk about something else. It's it's such a mind fuck because it's like the disease that has no symptoms, and he's like, so I'd wake up every morning and be like, I feel great. It's probably COVID. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. This <laughs> was like. It's just such a good joke that I'm butchering. But he's he's great, and he deserves I, this special. I hope really pops from because mm-hmm. he deserves a, a bigger audience. He's so. I mean, I've known him for years. I agree. Great but he's comment. also like it's the perfect time, you know. Yeah, he's it's, thirty four. It's, it's like, happen. This whole thing where you make it at twenty two is Rodney Dangerfield made it at sixty. All the greats, yeah. you know, made it later when you're a little more. Yeah, but you grizzled. get to enjoy it more when you're young. I That's mean, the true. thing is, when you make it at sixty, what do you have? Twenty years. Yeah, but it's all. It's also there's so much bullshit comedy on Twitter now that so many things feel unoriginal just because, sure. you know, everyone that works in H&R Block has one good tweet. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's like, people yeah. are seeing funny shit on YouTube. They're seeing, they can see a, you know, a, a panda dance to Beyonce on YouTube. Like there's a, you know. And he's honing the joke. I mean, I think if you put it, the work in and you hone and you and you really put care into the material, I, I really do, I, I'm so optimistic that you can have this. And to go, you, you know, know what? It's fucking killing, but uh, that's a tweet. This joke's fucking killing. It's just not personal enough. Like sure. his actor right now is so personal, yeah. and I think he's digging even deeper. And I think for someone's first special, when when you're you want people to turn it off and go, that guy's my friend. Like I know that person. Yeah. Like I want to see them when they come to town. That's my buddy. You yeah, know? he's uh, he puts the work in, and he's and he's a great writer. Yeah, so I'm I'm I love. When he him. talks. What's the weed the weed cookie joke? Or like just have uh, like one bite of a weed cookie. He's like. I've never taken one bite of a cookie. Oh, that's it's just great. <laughs> it's just so funny. That's like he great. just everything 
And then the Pee Wee Herman joke really pissed me off because yeah. he was like, he you nailed know, it. yeah, because it, it's like, you know, all these sexual predators are showing their dicks and raping people. We owe Pee Wee Herman a big apology. He was in a he, theater like a gentleman in the dark, in a suit, yeah. like in the back. And you're just like, God damn it. He's great. Yeah. The coolest. Yeah. But why did I bring that up? I don't know. Where were we? Um, okay. You're touring. Can we just... Um, uh, now go watch all the specials and the documentary. I didn't want to talk about them the entire sure, time sure. so that people got to get to know you and you weren't a- answering the same questions. Thank um, you. But, um, uh, okay. Up on the roof so, and I got this are up there and then uh, full capacity. Yeah, they're all on YouTube and, and they're free and shit, man. I'm grateful for the people that have watched. And then your last special is like the first one that you put on YouTube. I got this. Yeah. Right? Yeah. If you haven't seen that, which I'm sure you have, Amazing. Thank you. Um, brilliant. And also your podcasts? Are you still I, having yeah, time to do I, them? I do. I do. We might be drunk with Mark Norman. And I do a basketball one with We Stavros. were definitely drunk with Mark Norman when he was here. I saw it. It looked fun. Uh, you know, uh, and I do Pod Don't Lie with Stavros if you, if you like basketball. But we uh, that's where I get all my basketball talk out. But we do, Mark and I, we just we just get drunk. <laughs> it's Dude, pod. that is like, I mean, two of the funniest people working right now. Um, I hope you move here one day. I know it's never going to happen, <laughs> but I'm going to try. Um, and uh, I end these very awkwardly, so apologies. And your social, he's got clips up of when he's like touring on the road. So there's little mini specials coming out every week on your Instagram and Twitter. And um, I love you guys. Don't ride elephants. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Get a creamy Oreo frappe or McCafe smoothie for less with 20% off any purchase of $10 or more. Only on the app. Limited time only at participating McDonald's. Valid one time per day. Visit McDonald's app for details. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.